Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Coco Talk Live. We are on episode 122. Today, we're going to be unveiling to the world a brand new game for your Tandy Calore computer. All right, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. We are here. We are live. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. We are live audio on Spreaker live right now. You can listen live, live interactive audio podcasting. The future is here. The future is now. Um, and we've got a great panel. We've got people watching us live, viewing us live, listening to us live. There are people sleeping to us live right now. It's just the amount of liveness that's going on here. It's insane. Um, in our, and we got a special guest today. We don't see him all the time, but I'm glad he's here. As a matter of fact, we got a couple guys from Jersey here. You know, we're used to having a couple of Canucks and a couple Aussies, but it's not every day you get two Jersey boys on at the same time. So how about we start with Al Hartman? Al, how you doing? Yep. I'm here from Joyce. Hold on. I've got an echo. Yeah, and I don't have my soundboard, so I couldn't cue the crickets. So how you doing, Al? Um, I'm happy to be on a Cocoa Talk again and uh, listen to the show live, so it's great. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, he asked us to skip over him because he's doing things, so we'll skip over James Diffendaffer, but we all know James Diffendaffer as the guy who made my head explode. We'll be hearing from him later on today. Uh, not quite from Jersey, about two or three exits down, but from down under in Australia, we got Nicholas Morentes. Good day, Nick. Good day, everyone. How are you? Ready for another show? Uh, we're glad to have you here, sir. Uh, another guy bookending the bottom of the Hollywood Squares here, also from Jersey. Not on the show often enough, but we're delighted to have him. Tom C., how you doing? 
I'm doing just great. How you doing? I'm doing good there, Tom. See? All right. The Jersey Connection is here. We got both sides of the show covered. And Jersey Boys, it's a beautiful thing. We got from Texas. Last week, he was corresponding live from Radio Shack. Joe Burnett is with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, guys. How's it going? Really good. And that's a, that's a wonderful shirt you're, you're wearing there. And thank you for mine, too. You are too kind. I'm wearing my Radio Shack. Flying the colors and, and doing us proud. Thank you. Um, yeah. And uh, from uh, one of our foreign correspondents from uh, from the uh, from the continent of O Canada, we have Nick Morota. How's it going, hey, eh? Hey. Oh, it's, it's going. It's beauty day, eh? <laughs> is is Canada its own continent technically, or not? <laughs> uh, sometimes we want to be, but we're uh, not. Uh, <laughs> Ken Ken Reichert is here. Mark B is here. Hello, hello, hello. We've got from uh, I think it's from Massachusetts. Is it? Is it, are you in Mass there, Polly? Sorry, guys, I was on mute. Uh, no, I'm in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay, you're close. New Hampshire. Yes, New Hampshire. Do uh, you, you still have chowder over there, in New Hampshire? We got chowder and lobster. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's close to our 51st state. Uh, Greenland. <laughs> Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah, to have. Exciting. Good to have you here, Polly. Uh, we've got the man who takes live streaming literally. Grant Leedy's here from Kansas City, Kansas. Hey, how's it going, everybody? We're doing excellent. Thanks for being here, Grant. Ratings are definitely going to go up now that you're here. <laughs> um, we have in full RGB, Rob Inman's with us. Hello, Rob. Beware, I live. <laughs> I've been playing a little too much Sinistar. All right. Very good, very good. Um, and uh, we, listen, we have New Jersey, we've got Australia, we've got Canada. Let us not forget Arizona, home of Arizona Ice Tea and Rendezvous. Welcome, we're live. <laughs> 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 on the bottom of the world, we've got Nick Morota on the on, the, on, on Nick Morenti's on the top of the panel here. Also on the bottom of the world, we've got David O'Connor. Hello, everybody. It's good to be uh, on the other side of the world at, uh, what is it, 3.30 in the morning, uh, coming to you live. Wow. Okay, so um, what is Curtis Boyle saying? Curtis Boyle is saying that the audio of everyone else is quicker than quieter. me. Qu uh, quieter. The audio of everyone else is quieter? Uh, okay, let's try this again. All right, I've just turned you guys up. Use guys. Check one two. Are we here? Are we loud? Okay, thank you for pointing that out, Curtis. Uh, so I've just I've just done my little slider control. Um, Cristiano, uh, how are you? And, and Facebook. By the way, can somebody share this um, feed out on Facebook to the Color Computer page and the uh, I'm a Coconut page, uh, the groups. Uh, all right, let me know if that. Let me know if the audio of the rest of the panel is here. David O'Connor is here from Australia, and last but certainly not least. The guy who streams the show when I need a day off for whatever reason, Mark Bosley's in the Hello. house. Hello, Mark. All right. Figure out how to do the sharing thing. Yes, yes. It's very, very, very complicated. All right. So we have now just finished panel introductions. We're now going to go around the room and play uh, What Have You Done This Week and What Do You Feel Like Sharing with the World in our project updates and acquisitions. I want to go first. I want to go hey, first. Hey, Rondell Vogue, go ahead. 
Okay, I helped. Uh, I I tested a game that I can't talk about. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'll just sit down and shut up now. That's exciting, though. It's the game called Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club. That's right. The first rule of Fight Club: you don't talk about Fight Club. Very good. Um, all right. Well, hopefully we're going to find out about that game today. We're going to unveil to the world a world premiere of a brand new game for the Calor computer that apparently Ron Delvo knows something about, but it's been sworn to secrecy. Um, very, very good. Who else has got a project update or acquisition or show and tell or story they want to share with us about how their week went? I have some acquisitions. Uh-oh. Nick Morota. <laughs> Nick Morota. Guy not too far from me, just a few streets over, it turns out. I had a few Coco things to get rid of. Uh, so I got a few games uh, in box and manual for most of them. Ah. Checkers. Wild Catting. Woohoo. Uh, our very own Rick Adams. Temple, Temple of, of Rome. Rome. Yes. So I do have the carts for these. They're sitting behind me on the shelf. And a game I really, really, really wanted. It was one of my favorites. Color, Color Baseball. And I mean, didn't get the box for this one, but I got popcorn. Ah, nice. And I got only the manuals and box for these because you must have sensed I was a collector. I got the manual for Gomoku Renju. Gomoku Renju. Uh, Domo Arigato, Mr. Robato. Math oh. bingo, which me and my math tutor will have fun playing later. <laughs> Having a blast with the new math tutor. And I wish I had the game for this, but I have the box art for Ganabuana. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I was pretty happy with this haul. He he was reason, reasonably priced. I've seen games going for $50 on eBay, which I personally think is kind of high. But this guy had reasonable prices, so I was very, very happy. Excellent. So you'll have all those paid off in another couple months. <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did he offer oh, financing? Okay. Yes. Low, okay. low, in, low interest financing available. Unapproved credit. Yeah. Unapproved credit. Yeah. <laughs> Prices and participation may vary. Tax, tag, and title not included. Um, very, very cool. So you got some pickups there. Who else got anything to happen this week that they want to share with, with anyone? But I, uh, this, the beginnings of a, a new album. Oh, um, yeah. The new, the, a new project involving the Coco, involving that uh, EV, EVK evaluation kit from mm-hmm. Second Sound that we've been talking about over a few episodes. So the first <laughs> song for the new album has actually been officially recorded and it's on YouTube now. So uh, it's a big 15-minute yeah. long epic. We, uh, I, I have that in the, um, in the news, so we'll show, we'll show a part of that. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that. Not only is the music good, but I love what you did with the, uh, the video, uh, the multi, the multi, um, panels of the video where you, it's, it's almost like you're seeing all the tracks visually as well as hearing them audibly. So it's like a multi-track audio and video presentation. Very cool. The way you laid that out. Yeah, it was uh, something a little different. I, I kind of liked the picture in picture thing and I thought it'd be good to yeah. you know, people will spot one thing in it when they play it once and then something else a different time, but. Anyway, I guess we're going to get on to that later, but something that I did notice, everybody's familiar with this book. Yes. Everybody who's Coco. That one this says Calor Computer 2. Yeah, O-U-R. It's oh, O-U-R, O-U-R Calor. Yeah. Getting started with your Calor Basic. Perfect. Yeah, 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 look at that. 
But something I noticed about it, that's the Getting Started book, right? Yeah, with the Calore. Yeah. We have the uh, Going Ahead book. With the extended Calore. Yeah, on the spine of the Going Ahead book. I don't know, you can't see that, but it actually says, as you would expect, it says uh, Going Ahead. Calore, yeah. But, uh, but this one, the original one, Getting Started, says on the spine, Going Ahead. Well, they merged them when the, when extended became standard, right? Yeah, they actually made a mistake on the spine of this one. Though. Oh, this it said actually... going ahead, but it should be getting started. Oh. Yes. I don't know if we can see that. I'm yeah, see that. So it. at the front of it says getting started with Color Basic, and this one says going ahead with extended Color Basic. So, yeah, they screwed up. That doesn't yeah. have any extended in it, does it? But it wasn't all of them because I do have the other. I've got the, uh, the uh, Texas one. That one was the one printed in Korea, by the way. And the mm. one earlier, the, the original getting started with color basic c-o-l-o-r that looks familiar yeah that's that's <laughs> the texas version and they got that one right on the spine that one actually says getting started yeah you have so, a collector's I mean, I've item book. i've had that book for 40 odd years and i've never noticed that i only wow. noticed it literally about three days ago when i was looking through them oh, oh hang on a minute i got that wrong huh. <laughs> um and also in the collection um in my bits and pieces i have most people have one of these. It's Calor. The, the uh, um, what do you call it? The uh, guide with all yeah, the basic commands. like the quick reference thing. Yeah, that's that's real handy. It is. And on the front of this one, we were we were talking about the color com- on the on Facebook group. We were talking about the color computer two, and whether there was any color computer twos in the white case. Whether they were actually called color computer ones or twos. Mm-hmm. And one here. Actually has yeah uh, color. Com- Oops, we'll get that in the light. I'm just I'm trying to do the mirror thing here. Color computer two microcomputer, and as you can see, the picture of it is a white case cocoa. What people normally refer to as a cocoa one, but it's actually in Australia they were actually referred to as a cocoa two. So it's uh, yeah, a bit it's of, not, uh, not confusing at all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not even. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that my... um, I think that might have only been in Australia because in the yeah, U.S. No. that that white yeah that white full size case was only in the white sixty four K Coco one. Yeah, uh, it yep, came, it came out around the same time as the first generation Coco twos. You see my Coco one or Coco two playing a, a Coco three game there. Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> That's not confusing in the slightest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We both got uh, some bouncing balls on our screens today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, that book too, David, but there's nothing on the spine of mine. The sorry, no, with, I have the going ahead with extended basic book too, but there's nothing on the spine of mine. Oh, well, okay. So we could get yeah. another one. Okay, interesting. So well, the only reason sure? I noticed was that I was going to, I, I was going to, I'm setting up a bookshelf. I'm reorganizing my studio and everything. And I was, I was going to put them on the bookshelf. And then I was looking at the spine. I never ever looked at the spine in forty odd years. And I went to put them on the bookshelf. I thought, "Hey, wait a minute, that's not right." So, wow. Hmm. So some variants there. So if you're a collector, now you're aware too that the original Color Basic book had two versions. There was an incomplete version that only had like thirteen chapters, and then there's the longer version of that too. So I think the first version had something like 113 pages. Um, yeah, and- I think. What have I got? Oh, these are two. Let me just have a look at this one. Um, are you talking about the going ahead or the getting no, started? No, the original getting started with Color Basic. And in the U.S., there were two versions. Like on the first one, the first Coco 1 came out, 
the first printing of that book was incomplete. They only they only had like 113 pages and only got up to like section one. And, and the, the completed version has a table of contents that shows like four different sections. And the first book only really was roughly section one of the final book. Yeah, so. okay, right. You could, the Both of the versions I've got here, I think they've both got 308 pages. So, yeah, they do. Um, so <laughs> Al Hartman says you can tell if your if your manual was printed in Korea, it smells like kimchi. <laughs> 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 oh, that's horrible. Um, very cool, very cool. Who else has got a little something something they want to show with us this week? Anybody? Well, I, I uh, you might know this guy. Uh, it's out of focus, but. Uh... Uh, you know this guy with me? Oh, that's Paul T. Barton. That is Paul T. Barton, and we had a uh, little get-together, and uh, he brought his uh, Color Computer 3 that's in a uh, PC case. The repack. Yeah, we put it in the observatory. We plugged it in, and it is amazing. He has a light show going on inside. He's got wow. all these adapter thingies stuck in there. And he turned it on, and it worked, and it's beautiful, and he's got 8 mega RAM in it. And wow. Cool. He'll probably share it with you guys. Oh, that's cool. It's yeah. Neat. It's real cool. Yeah, we had a swim. We had hamburgers. We had uh, some astronomy. We watched uh, a couple things in the sky. It was fun. Cool. Well, my pickup this week is my Radio Shack shirt that Joe sent me. I'll just try to zoom in real quick. So here's my uh, nice polo embroidered Radio Shack logo. And it's really nice from embroidery too, right? It's very, uh, very like embossed, you know? Um, so nice shirt, very comfortable, very light, nice material. And of course, can, can you, can you just say, can I help you? Can I help you? I uh, welcome the Radio Shack. Can I help you? Uh, can uh, I get, can I get your name and address for the mailing list? Uh, I'm just looking, just looking. They uh, didn't, <laughs> and they didn't yeah, battery. Cocoa talk is an unscripted. What was that? Oops. Do you have a battery card? Uh, no, but I have some batteries, though, too. Hey, John Strong has joined us. Hey, John. Hello. Um, yeah, so yeah. So thank you, Joe. And the, and this, and the T-shirt you sent, the TRS-80 shirt, like what Ron DelVos wearing, you sent a small one for my daughter. It fits her perfectly. Awesome. So like perfect size. So, cool. so Megan's got the black uh, TRS-80 logo T-shirt. I showed it to her. She goes, why did you get me a cocoa shirt? I go, I didn't get it to you, number one. It was sent to us, but it's not a cocoa shirt. It's a TRS-80 shirt, so get it right. right Got to so. start the young generation. <laughs> That's <early>. right. So. <laughs> she's, yeah, not gonna, a, she's not going to get the tattoo? Uh, maybe not this week. So, <laughs> oh, Radio Shot's going to take over again anyway. In a few years, it'll be big again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Taking over the world. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Who else? Who else? Any, 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 anything else you guys want to share? Yeah, uh, Stevie. Um, I got a new uh, capture card. I don't. I'm not running it yet. Uh, this is the old capture card. Uh, that'll allow me to stream some of the artifact uh, games. Um, and I'll be. It's an HDMI capture card versus an old standard definition capture card. So uh, that was interesting uh, to get that done. I've also created a couple of icons for nitrous nine ease of use and uh if that's interesting i think we've already gone over the icon editor in uh, well, shows can you, past can you show us the icons themselves are there is there a screenshot I or something could. 
I could if I had it ready. <laughs> okay. But we can do that later if you want. Okay. Sure. Sure. And um, our and our and our you know usual nitrous nine segment of the show, we'll go ahead and talk about it then. So. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, uh, I have some of the. I know VCF West is 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 past us, but I have some videos that I and uh, photos that I compiled from the team, uh, including a couple of the permanent installations that were I don't think previously shown on on Coco Talk. So I am having a little bit difficulty uploading into that community folder. Um, but um, I could just share my screen at some point and show okay. you yeah, that's myself. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, okay. Um, I've, got a, I've got a couple things. Okay, well, Polly. <laughs> so real quick, uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been into a few things lately, but uh, one thing I did want to mention is um, we're just about a month away now from Tandy Assembly. And uh, Mike Rowan approached me a couple months ago and asked if I would do the uh, Coco uh, class, the Tech Talk, on Friday evening, oh. uh, which is a tremendous honor that he asked me to do that. And uh, I plan to be there. So um, giving the, the talk on that Friday, and uh, I've been preparing for that. And it's um, uh, right now it's on floppy disks. And um, it's uh, it's primarily focused around the color computer, but... Um, it's applicable to all vintage platforms, and I'm going to be going over uh, the various floppy formats um, and how to archive them, how to uh, retrieve data, even in cases where traditional means of uh, pulling files and data off of those uh, don't typically work, um, uh, showing how uh, some of the tools I develop are applicable to the uh, color computer and whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's about a month away now, and uh, I know it's um, competing heavily with BCF Midwest, and a lot of people are only going to be able to do one um, uh, of those events. But uh, if you're in the Ohio area at uh, the end of September, uh, by all means, stop out, and uh, I'll be there that Friday evening. That's very oh, cool. One other thing I was going to mention, and I haven't mentioned this to Mike yet, uh, I'll have um, some equipment with me um, that if folks want to bring any of their floppies with them, to have them archived or to, um, if they're having problems reading some of their vintage floppies and want to get data off of them or think that, you know, there's still important stuff on there, uh, by all means, bring them out and uh, offering that as kind of a courtesy service for, for folks. Um, if I don't get to them at the, the show, if people want to leave them with me and I'll get them back to them, uh, we'll do that too. But uh, wanted folks to be aware um, that we could do that. Oh, wow. Well, that's very cool. I think yeah. I think Dave Phillipson has some uh, discs that he was look, looking to save, and I I don't know if he's going to be. I think he might be there. Okay, well, um, what I may do at some point is you know just start offering it to the community because um, you know we we've got a lot in the archive, we've got a lot you know all over the place, but uh, you know I'm sure that there's stuff out there, especially data that people might have created um, that maybe not part of the archive that. At, sometime they may want to uh, retrieve or just, you know, out of curiosity, see what it is. Uh, but again, you know, some of the equipment I have, um, it uh, allows for uh, retrieval at the magnetic flux level. And um, you know, sometimes it's uh, much more successful than uh, just trying to drop it into a FD501 or whatever and uh, trying to pull it off that way. So. so in general these days, are the discs still fairly readable or are we getting to the point where it's getting... <clears throat> Yeah, they are the the um, the biggest issue um, is more physical damage, Nick. Um, where you know if, if 
a couple things can happen. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, some traumatic incident with the desk where, you know, the, the magnetic media is damaged and, you know, bent, creased, stuff like that. Um, another thing that works that I see a lot of is um, there'll be mold and mildew depending on how the discs were stored. But in some cases, it's possible um, to open up the sleeve of the disc, pull the, the disc out and actually clean it off, put it into a good sleeve and uh, try to retrieve data that way and often find that that is a um, good rate of success. Oh, good. Yep. So magnetic whatever is not flaking off or anything? Uh, in some cases it is. I mean, but uh, most cases, if they're fairly well stored and preserved, you know, you don't have a lot of heavy weight on them or what, or they're not close to, you know, any type of magnetic, uh, strong magnetic magnetic fields and in most cases um they're in pretty good shape still well that's awesome yep thank you yeah jen i've got a bunch of they're not uh five and a quarter they're three and a half inch floppies but um i've got a bunch of them here for my uh sy77 and sy99 and some of those discs are what 30 years old now and uh and they all still work perfectly. So I actually got all the data off them and transferred them to MIDI files and saved them on a hard drive. So uh, well, oh, they nice. still work. Yeah, so I, I can do uh, three and a half or five and a quarter. Um, and uh, one other thing that I'm trying to do right now is uh, I've got an eight inch drive that I'm trying to get going with it and uh, see if I can have any luck with that. Wow. Wow. Very cool stuff. I'd love to hear that talk some. Yeah, it'll probably be recorded, um, but, uh, you know, people are there, are uh, thinking about going, you know, there's some interesting talks happening that Friday, so I uh, would definitely, you know, try to do what you can to extend for that extra day. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's a new feature they're having this year, right, is having the Friday night sessions or the Friday sessions, right? And so um, I wonder if that was that inspired by one of the VCFs. Wasn't there one of the VCFs, maybe VCF East or something, where they had a Friday where people came in and did different sessions i don't remember um but anyways it's a cool addition so the the other thing too with it steve i think just like you said they're just trying to expand it a little bit and they were looking at uh how they could possibly expand it so this was something that you know they came up with but the other thing you know it's a few extra bucks for that extra day but they are throwing in dinner that night as well so yeah, okay seems like a pretty good deal Uh, Dave Phyllis and Paul Frisk really says, bring your old floppies. Oh, is that what Rob's saying? Okay. Yeah, just so have, FYI, we are planning. We don't have any reservations there. but planning to be there at the 10 day assembly this year. Ah, John Strong of Strongware. There you go. Uh, very cool. And it's been joined by Paul Shoemaker, too. Hey, Paul. Um, John, did you have anything? We have not heard from you in a while, so you might have something to update us with. Uh just some plans okay we've uh a uh on the list is a, another 3d printer uh this one will be a resin printer uh with with the light and stuff but it'll uh open up some things i couldn't create before uh it'll probably be a few weeks before i buy it but my nephew actually has bought the one that i was planning to and so i'm letting him work out the bugs of using it i'm going to send him some sample files and make sure it'll do some things but uh one of the things i'm thinking about targeting i do a switch for the multi-pack and it's usable but it's not you know it's, it's not quite the same thing as the the original and 
if it works out, I want to create that. And there's some other small things and, and stuff and kind of expand what we can do with 3D printing for it. I got a, I got a question. Are you going to make the uh, CM8 door? <laughs> uh, the CM8 door. Yeah. Mm. That would be a gold mine right there. Most people don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have a CM8 anymore. I don't think anywhere. Uh, yeah, I have my Motorola. Could, could you do it with the new machine? Uh, how long is it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this twelve inches maybe. Yeah, this doesn't go that high with it. Oh, no, it's eleven and a half. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gonna, it's gonna go. Nick Marentis uh, has has a CM8 CM8 um, uh, part, but you'd have to get it from him. Yeah, but it uh, the limit is going to be like four or five inches with the the new machine. Getting the machines that'll do the larger parts. Uh, kind of exponentially more expensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, you could design the first double door CMA. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of kind of opens up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something that well, you could do something that you could join together or glue together possibly uh and do that. And yes, it seems like that really doesn't work uh do with the uh uh the extruders, okay? And because they don't do detail fine enough. And uh, so I've been looking at it quite some time and it gotten the list narrowed down to about three that I was interested in. And I was talking to my nephew who's a jeweler the other day. And he says, hey, I bought this one. I said, oh, you bought one, okay. And having check what brand, he said, well, you know, it was giving some of the finest surfaces and stuff. And he, he gave me the brand lane. He said, oh yeah, that, that was on my list. <laughs> And so I bought him some Redson and we'll be sending them some files to test. And as soon as things settle down here at the new house, we'll be getting that and setting it up. Uh, so the reason you haven't seen me, we've been moving. I've been painting, gutter cleaning, <laughs> you name it. We've been doing it. Everyday real life stuff. Huh? Well, yeah, about, about 10 years worth of it because they, People who lived here before were uh, kind of elderly and handicapped, and so mm. there's a lot of things that wasn't done that I've got to go in. Well, congratulations on the new place. Yes, and mm. it's going to give, uh, you know, got a workbench area in the garage, uh, which means the reason why I can get the other printer, because we couldn't have the fumes in the house. And uh, so there's some good possibilities. Uh, I do have some interesting things that I was working on before the move for a deluxe cocoa SCC, SCC case uh, that will have some extra features on it that uh, I think people will like. It will be a premium price, but since, you know, the, the low end price market has kind of disappeared. Are you, are you going to have the cup holder on it now? <laughs> That'd be great. Just a little cup holder on the side of your cocoa. Yeah. Did you want or, a cup holder? Okay. Or in, in, <laughs> if we were still in the '80s, we'd say make it an ashtray. But we, nobody smokes indoors anymore, no. right? So <laughs> you watch those old movies. Everybody's but, smoking but, in the old uh, movies. <laughs> yeah, I need to, you know, get set up and stuff to go back. But uh, even my wife was noticing I hadn't been on to talk to you guys. Is just bet the guys at Cocoa Talk's been missing me. <laughs> You bet. Of course. I have a, I have a question for you, John. Um, 
how have you had any chance yet or any time up maybe not because of the move and everything but i just wondered if you've had any success getting the uh play command to work out of uh, ed snyder's um mega mini mpi out of the apl3 chip yet i i got some sound coming out of it uh when i was playing with it a little bit but i hadn't had time to uh get my software to where i want it to be okay so it only says john strong <laughs> uh, just making some noise oh you know just uh feeding into it so but i was wor working with the overlay routine for uh basic so that you could play the the opl sounds straight from basic and i was yeah. getting some sounds but it wasn't responding and i looked at what i did and and thought yeah right you didn't do this you didn't do that and and started to work on it but then our offer got accepted and all this stuff so i've been been swamped with that stuff and uh, there's no camera today because I haven't dug, got my camera out yet and I hadn't been on sooner because I tried to get Zoom to work let me in a Coco Talk uh, properly on it and for some reason the installation on my laptop won't accept the explanation mark for the name and stuff so I had to pull out the desktop and run a cable to the router and <laughs> plug it in even to get on today. So uh, I don't know what's going on there or I'd been on sooner because I've tried a couple times. It's like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. Did I download the, long, the wrong Zoom client or, or what? But uh, so I'm here. Need and okay. Need a Zoom client for the Coco 3 so you can run it on that. It won't crash. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no problems there. Yeah. Uh, um, but, Okay, that's this Paul Shoemaker. You with us? You got a copy on me, Paul? And actually, to Paul, I noticed a message today to me. I, at least it showed today from uh, on Facebook uh, about cases for the uh, Ion Mavericks uh, 502 replacement. And the reason I haven't made one is I don't have a 502 mm. or I have Ivan's board and. I was looking into buying one, but then the move came up. So, no worries. Yeah, just to let you know, uh, you know, okay. I'm willing to do coming? one. You know, once I get one. Okay. No, I appreciate that. I have it plugged in right now without the case, and of course, it works fine. But it yeah, be I've nice got I've got similar size cases I've made. It's just I just need I would need either a 502 or that. I've got 501s. I've got. A JMM. I've got a hard disk specialist kit, but the 502 I don't have. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure if it's an odd size. It's just a. Here, yeah. I think that's just a normal board, you know, shape and configuration. Uh, do you have a copy machine or scanner? I do. Okay. If you will scan that board layout. Okay and email me the scan then i can see where the variations of the the sizing is okay there's a little bit different spacing and stuff in it on the holes and stuff and i probably got that pretty close because the coco sdc uses the same but uh, i could probably do a, a prototype design based from uh, a scan of the circuit board that would be excellent i will do that cool anything when new with you paul Wait, wait, when you scan it, get a, a ruler and put a ruler next to it in case your scanner doesn't scan it exactly one-to-one. -one. 
Okay. With a ruler next to it, John will be able to deal with any scaling issues. I've got a ruler as well, so we'll do. Okay. And just for kicks, uh, put your face on that copier. Might yeah. be my. <laughs> no, yeah, but no pressed ham. Uh, oh not no, the, not the uh, other end. Definitely so. not the other end. Yeah. Yeah. I did not and say that. Before you scan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Paul, you've got my email. Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, my name at Hotmail. So. Okay. Yeah. You, I think we've. I think you bought something from me before. I think. I think so as well. So I, I, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure I can get it either there or off the off the cocoa list. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, uh, like I said, just send that to me. Uh, I d I've done some prototyping before by using that before the boards were available. Uh, I forget which one I did, but I did something for Ed Snyder that I kind of had a prototype before he had the, a board available for me. So, uh, you know, that's something we can look at. Things are slowing down a little bit here. So I get started to get a little free time. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Thank you. Okay. Hey, Paul Shoemaker, anything new and exciting with you this week? Uh, no, I guess I'm, but the only thing that I've got trying to do today is um, um, kind of getting ready for uh, Tandy Assembly. So I'm going to make uh, just a few kits of Dungeon Crawl, just in case anybody's interested. And uh, it's my plan, fingers crossed, to finish the Coco 3 schematic poster thing oh neat and then uh maybe i'll one of those that paul fiscarelli is holding up and uh maybe i will uh try to bring a couple three prints of those as well just uh for anybody who might be interested while we're hopefully there will be a handful of us a group of us at tandy assembly that'd so be great yeah. yeah okay representing the coco community yep. very good thanks guys for doing that um now was it you who had the screenshot of a wolfenstein Title screen on the Coco? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I do. Uh, and I've been I've been working on it a um, little bit. So the, the, the biggest thing is I'll have it run in the background now that I am in front of it. You probably can't see it. Yeah, it's it. um, slow, slow but sure. It's I'm really going to have to um, learn assembly language programming in a big way. So today I think I figured out how to move sprites around the screen. Um, at least for the most part, I think I have to figure out how to use uh, sync in order to get it to stop flicker, to, to not flicker as much. But I, so I've got uh, quite a lot of learning and uh, I don't know investigation to do to, to be am, able to do that game right. I'm willing to help you too. Okay. Thanks, John. So you know, just you need to ping me, and you know, my uh, and uh, we'll tell you what to do. And I have tools if they happen to fit in what you're doing. So. Okay. 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 Great. Yeah, I think um, my next quest is to go try to find some samples of code. I know there's a few out there. I think um, Rick shared some samples of code, and maybe I can get a some idea about how to incorporate the syncing with the uh, with the clock. To I don't even really know what I'm talking about. So well, I okay. stuff out. even in the simplest in the simplest case, you could just use the sync command before you do the graphics. Okay. Yeah, and uh, if you leave the standard interrupts in the enabled, they're uh, set for 60 hertz vertical. And so simple games it doesn't require sometimes anything more than that. Okay. Just a sync command before you start drawing your graphics. And the sync command just delays, it, it makes everything stop until it receives an interrupt. 
Yes. Okay. And that way you don't get any, it helps eliminate sparklies if you're setting the, the palette. Uh, it, uh, a lot of things, it just gives you even timing, okay? Okay. With a lot of stuff as far as your graphics. And so that's the, that's the simplest way. Uh, yeah. and, and some of my games actually, that's all, all they use is. Be careful, Steve's gonna do an interrupt. Yeah. Hey, are you on Di Paul Paul Shoemaker? Are you on Discord? Because there's a lot of assembly talk going on in Discord. There's a lot of people out there you could. Uh... Oh, that's a great idea. No, I haven't checked Discord. I am on there, but I haven't I haven't been on it in a while. So I, yeah. I will uh, do that as well. Yeah, that's a great resource for just Q and A stuff. There's assembly, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. You can talk to people. Great. Um, cool. Well, glad to have you. All right. So how about we do this? We are going to take a commercial break. And then when we come back, we are going to debut a brand new color computer game that m many people in the world have not seen. So this is a world premiere. This is an unveiling. This is a reveal. Uh, I can tell you myself, I have not seen it. I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about it. I think a few people might have a clue. I believe it was mentioned. There were some teasers. And this there was, Ron's working on? Uh, well, I guess Ron was one of the testers and he was sworn to secrecy. So Ron is familiar with it, but I am not. And I figured I want us all who have no idea what this is about. We want to, um, we want to experience it for the first time together to get that collective, yeah. uh, reaction and, and all Exciting. that kind of stuff. So, um, before we go into our first commercial break, I also have a new little bumper I want to play. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I, don't, I don't even remember when it was. But uh, we had a contest live on the air where we gave away a speech and sound cartridge. You guys remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so, yes. So uh, the guy who won his name is Andrew Bodner. And I'd asked him, I go, hey, could you just record a little something saying, you know, hey, I'm Andrew. I'm the guy who won the speech sound pack. So he, he did one of those. So we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to lead with that. And then we're going to take a commercial. And we'll be back in just a minute. Hey there, it's Andrew here with the Tandy Speech and Sound Cartridge that I won from Coco Talk Live. So uh, next time, make sure to tune in. It may change your life. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is Jacob Moore. Jacob Catch that? And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Stroh. Imagine 
a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely earned this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? <laughs> it's only a 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. How does it feel? I'm still Computer shopping has never been better at Radio Shack. Here's proof. Our new ultra-high-performance 386SX 20 megahertz computer with 85-megabyte hard drive, only $12.99. And it's from Tandy, manufacturer of the best-selling PC compatibles in America. Or get a 286-based Tandy home office computer with color monitor and hard drive, only $899.95. Shop your friendly nearby Radio Shack. Great selection, superior service. Nobody compares. We now return you to Coco Talk. And now, Coco Thoughts, by Samuel Gimes. Some people wish the Coco came with hardware sprites. I don't understand. Why not pixies or fairies? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we're back. And we've just been joined by Chet Simpson and Simon Jonason as well. Hey, guys. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's up? Hey. I haven't seen or heard from you since uh, Coco Fest, Chet, but we just we got we got you in the news, uh, what you posted on Facebook this week. So welcome back, man. Oh, oh okay. Cool. Yeah, I've been uh, just been really, really busy. I haven't had a lot of stuff to do with the, uh, you know, a lot of time to do any uh, Coco stuff other than, uh, you know, what I can do on my, my iPad as I'm moving around, so... Uh, that was one thing I could do, but uh, you know, I was like, that kind of goes down. I'll, I'll I'll be around a little bit more here in the, the next month. Excellent, excellent. Welcome, glad to have you back. And Simon, the Madman Jonason, has joined us as well. How are you, Simon? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. So I just I just had to throw a friend out. He just came by impromptu. He's like, no, excuse me, I need to do something. Go. Well, you're just in time for the <laughs> world premiere, Simon. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but there's a brand new game available for the color computer and we're going to talk about that today we're going to show it off here in a few minutes so um if anybody who's responsible for the making of this game would now like to speak now or forever hold your peace tell us what we're going to be looking at and and the story behind it anyone anyone go ahead simon i'm sworn to secrecy sorry <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, we are unveiling it, right? I believe it's called Nightmare Highway. <laughs> Nightmare Highway. Well, luckily, <laughs> no, nobody, luckily, nobody watches this program, so whatever you say would not be heard anyway. So, <laughs> secret that we can't even show the premiere on this episode. <laughs> so, um, I guess I'll get started. 
so basically the uh, the story behind it is um well story behind it's a few years ago but uh where i first came up with the idea um this is, uh, I guess, what we've been talking about in the community as one of those inspirational games. So um, you'll see why in a little bit. But it, uh, a couple weeks ago, Simon had posted on Facebook, and he also DM'd me um, his three-voice player. And uh, what he had uh, said when he had posted it, or when somebody had asked about it, was that there was about maybe 50% CPU left over that you could possibly do a game or something with it. And there was a little bit of chatter about that, you know, asking a few people asking, well, what could you really do with 50%? You know, is, is that really viable? Um, so uh, when he had DM'd me, I just basically took it, took a look, quick look at it and um, got me thinking. And I had a couple like little um, doohickey assembly language um, demos that I had put together uh, a while back when I was doing the Long Branch Never stuff, the tutorial series. And uh, I decided to, you know, start throwing those in there, you know, just generating random noise on the screen and, you know, some, you know, very low level graphic stuff and uh, became aware that uh, there's some real promise there. And um, it was, it was functioning great. I mean, the player is fantastic. I know some people, you know, they may, the sound quality or the, the, the sound of the sawtooth, um, that type of uh, waveform, you know, people, you know, either they love it or they hate it. But uh, to me, it's kind of, there's something nostalgic about it. And it reminds me very demo scene-ish and whatnot. Um, so I was throwing a couple things together and I was, you know, pinging Simon and I would send him updates. And, uh, you know, this is all, you know, what, Simon, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now? Yeah, it's, it's 24 days, actually. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, Simon was, you know, telling me, yeah, the, yeah this is looking cool and, you know, then I got the idea. I'm like, you know, I think there's a game in this and I want to try a couple things. And it was from an idea that I had a while back. Uh, one of those, this isn't a Cocoa project, but it could be kind of thing. And um, <laughs> put, a, put a few cycles to it. And next thing I know, uh, Simon and I are off and running. And um, basically, you know, I'd work on a, a few things, you know, start putting some you know, graphics together throw it to Simon and Simon does what he does best and, you know, he optimizes and he makes things faster. And, you know, it was a real great learning experience for me, not having done a lot of assembly, but, you know, enough to be dangerous. And, um, you know, he showed me how to make the code work better and faster. And, um, you know, he worked on a couple routines and I worked on, you know, gameplay and graphics and, you know, sound, I put together a, a utility, um, quick little utility that I could just download MIDI files or mod files and just be able to export them right on the fly into Simon's player. Um, so it gave us a lot of opportunity with uh, various sounds, as you'll see in a little bit. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the work that we were going through or the, the process that we we're going through is, you know, I, I'd code something up that evening and Simon's, you know, six hours ahead of us. And, you know, I'd, you know, send him over the source. Uh, Simon wasn't using GitHub, but I'd send over the source and uh, he'd basically take it, play with it, tweak it, you know, put, you know, some routines in there and then send it back to me. And then the next day I'm working with it. And then, you know, next thing we know, you know, two weeks have gone by and we've got a pretty well finished game. So we got Ron involved in uh, last week. And the only other person that knows anything at this point is, uh, Paul Thayer. And, uh, you know, we wanted to throw it over to him one because, you know, he's an avid gamer and he's got a lot of experience around that. And, you know, um, he plays, a, you know, a lot of games on the Coco. He's been developing games, 
uh, but also is you know experienced coding, and you know we wanted to see what he thought and give us a few tips. So we tweaked some things this week, and um, we are where we are today, and we're just basically ready to uh, share with the community at this point. Very cool. Now, do I need a joystick for this? I got the Coco so, uh, plugged in. So it, it uses simultaneous. You can use left, right, or uh, left, right, or right joystick. It needs to be a deluxe joystick because it uses two buttons, um, uh, which you'll soon find out in a minute. Or you can use the keyboard, um, uh, spacebar, and enter key. Um, so, um, and it doesn't ask you to choose, but it just uses all three at the same time. Okay. So I'll just do it on keyboard then. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let me switch over to the Coco itself. So one thing I do want, I do want to uh, say, Stevie, uh -huh. you might want to turn the volume down to start because one of the things I noticed is across Zoom, the sound um, doesn't come as cross as well as it does in person. And uh, it may be a little harsh at first, but you can always, you know, just bring up the volume uh, as you see fit. And the name of it is? Wait, before I get too excited, this is standard Coco, right? Like 6809? It's 6809, um, but it is Coco 3. Um, so one thing I do, the only reason why it's Coco 3 is because of the fast interrupt and because of the uh, high-speed mode. That's it. It's using P-Mode 4 graphics. It could technically be Coco 2, but without the high-speed poke, uh, everything that we're doing in the game, it would just be too slow. Um, we were talking about having a separate version, but we didn't want to commit a whole lot of time to that. So it is Coco 3 only at this point, um, but it's P-Mode 3. And everything you see, it's all software. There's no gimme whatsoever. It's all straight 69, 68 so or 9. 128K too then. I well, guess. yeah, because you can only get a Coco yeah. 3 minimum 128K. Well, we had a question in the chat room. So, so the, 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 the actual um, footprint of the game itself, well, it, it's 32K. I mean, it pretty much it's right up against the top of RAM. But uh, the code itself, the game itself, is maybe about 3K, 2.5, 3K. Everything else is audio and graphics. Wow. All right, so I'm looking at it here. It is called Dino Run Disc, and the game is called Dino Run Bin. Are we ready to run it? We're ready to go. All right, I have not seen this. Most of us on the panel, except for Ron Delvo, have not seen this. So what you'll be seeing and hearing right now is our first genuine reactions to this product. I'm going to press the button, Frank. We're not seeing it, Stevie. Um, I see it. Pin the video. It's is it making choice. is it making music yet on the title screen or no? No. 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 I'm okay. seeing it, but not hearing it. Okay, so right now it says Run Dino Run by Paul Fiscarelli. Three okay. Oh look at this. It got the Dino Wars guy. <laughs> that is awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, That's right cool. now it's in a it's in a game over demo demo mode. Yeah, so uh, I have it set up where it'll run in demo mode all time after out after a few minutes and just start playing demo mode. Those mountains in the back look really good. Yeah, they look digitized. Those are cool. Yeah. All right. So I hit is space bar and enter are the keys. Yeah. So any key will start it. Space bar jumps. Enter ducks. It says no internet. <laughs> oh, because that's the Google dinosaur, right? <laughs> oh, it's the Google dinosaur. Isn't that what you get when you have don't have an internet connection? Oh, I didn't. Dinosaur? I didn't catch that. Is that true, guys? Yes. Okay. Wow! Music and That's everything. Cool. Music is good. 
Wait, is this, built, is this built in music? I, I missed that part of the Yeah, but don't talk or we can't hear the music. Sorry, I'm excited. Game over. Wow, it's a one hit wonder, huh? That's right. So any key will start over again. Wow, I didn't I didn't catch that. So the um the dinosaur is the dinosaur when you like try to open up Google Chrome as a browser and it says there's no internet connection. That's exactly it. Ah so does, does Stevie have the all time high score at this moment? <laughs> Uh, well, on so my disc, on my disc image, I did. Yes, it is. Yes. You should retire champion now, Steve. Yes. <laughs> Try to make a duck. Good night, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Try to make a duck. Oh, there look at that. Oh, shit. Now the arrow keys move you forward. Does the arrow keys make you go faster? Now the, the arrow keys change the song. Ah. Oh, cool. Until you stop. <laughs> ah. And it'll switch It'll switch tracks on its own? Uh, yeah, so once it finishes one track, it'll go to the next, or you can select it manually. I like the music. See if I can beat my own high score. This takes place in Arizona. <laughs> Duck! Are they procedurally generated or is there a pattern to it? Not random. Oh, that one I had to duck under. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 565, is that a new high score? Yep. The one button is jump and one button is duck. So, what are we, how many voices are we getting on this? Three voices? Three voices. This sounds like a bagpipe kind of. Yeah. yeah. I should be wearing a kilt right now. <laughs> this is cool. There's the third voice coming in, that high high harmony. Duck. Like I should be wearing I should be using some Irish spring soap right now. <laughs> they always after me lucky charms. They're magically delicious. Now, is it just this over and over again? Does it ever change? Are there bosses or changing of terrain or anything? Nope. Uh-oh. Going faster. Ah, new high score, Going. 936. That's Going yeah, faster. Cool. So uh, it, gets, it gets cooking, Stevie. So <laughs> That's gonna, neat. You're, you're I like that it's monochrome. I'm glad you don't try to fit too many colors in. One of them. I really like that sawtooth waveform too, especially in the bass. That's really good. This is a true 40th anniversary gem. <laughs> okay, you guys are supposed. What? Okay, where is Zoom? Why is Zoom showing me you guys? This Who is weird. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, because I was making the noise, it switched to me. Now there's Paul. Okay. Um. No, that's neat. That's really neat. What do you guys think of this? It's cool. That's cool. No, when, like I, when I first got it, I did it on my emulator because I was excited to see it. Uh -huh. My emulator was jacked way up, and that sucker would fly across. Oh, the, the speed of it? <laughs> it would go so fast I couldn't figure it out. And I was laughing my butt off because <laughs> the little guy was running so fast. Uh, I couldn't. 
So yeah, when uh, when we were testing it, I thought I inadvertently sent Ron a test copy where I was had it running at the fastest speed, and he was like saying that this is the fastest game I've ever played. And I'm like, wow, that's a tremendous compliment. I mean, I think it's fast, but I don't think it's that fast. Yeah, right. And sure enough, he was running it in overclock mode, but it, it does get going pretty good um, once you get up around 2,000 points or so, um, if you can get that high. But um, yeah, it's. It gets going. I mean, for everything that we're doing with it, and it all software again, no hardware uh, scrolling, no hardware anything. It's, uh -huh. it's all. Uh, it's no gimme. It's all sixty so horsepower. Isn't this one of the few games that has music throughout the action? Yeah. 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 Software base. Yeah. So, uh, really, really is impressive. That, is that base. terrain the waveform that's playing? I'm just kidding. So um, what I think we might want to do with this, Stevie, I mean, because there was so much that happened in the last couple of weeks, maybe at some point we put together an After Dark or something and Simon and I can go through. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That we used and, you know, how we were able to pull it together so quick. But that was one of the things, you know, we, we pulled from a lot of resources that were already readily available. Okay. And, you know, any of the any of the music, like, uh, were just MIDI files that I grabbed and you know, I grabbed some of the ones that sounded the best and, you know, Simon found some pretty good little graphics for the mountains. And, um, you know, again, we just, you know, we're able to pull it together pretty quick. So, um, maybe, but we can go, could... we can go into more in depth, uh, you know, in a different episode or something. Okay. Maybe you guys ready shoot to the... talk about release date or anything like that yet, or today's a release date. Yeah. Is I'm going to put it up. I'll put it up on I'm a coconut and, um, and oh, on cool. the, uh, on eight bit 256. um, Maybe so it's just a disk image. And file to uh, David O'Connor so he can do some wacky things with it. <laughs> remember, remember, you've got the M key and the P key as well. What are the oh, mu music and pause? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can pause it uh, with the P key and the M key will turn the music on and off. Why yeah. would you, why would you want to do thing? that? Well, it's for people that don't like the music if they still want to play the game, which, you know, that's their own taste. You know, there was yeah. you know, some people that were saying that they really don't like the sawtooth sound, but... We just wanted to kind of prove that it could be done. You know, Simon threw the player out there. And, yeah. You know, we actually um, we actually went through and we were counting cycles the other day. And the music player that Simon put together, the synth and the sequencer, is so efficient. It's actually more around 26% uh, CPU. Uh, wow. Overhead. So there's That's quite impressive. a, there's quite a job, bit of Simon. For, uh, for gameplay. So, That's awesome. You know, there's a lot of hardware players coming out now. And, you know, we, we'll, you know. Take a, maybe take advantage of that at some point in the future, but we just wanted to prove it could be done and really showcase what the 6809 by itself is capable of doing. So you yeah. could take any, basically any uh, three-track MIDI file and incorporate that in with it, I guess, couldn't you? I could send you yeah, a MIDI file. You've got, uh, yeah. you've got to think about, you've got to think about the, the, you don't have, you don't have samples, so you've got to think about, you've only got a sawtooth wave. Yep, yep, yep. And that's why some songs are sound better than others. I mean, obviously the bagpipes sound great, you know, on Scotland, the brave there, because, you know, they have kind of a natural inherent sawtooth quality to them. So they, they translated over really well. Some of the tunes that we tried were just like, no way it's not going to happen, but, uh, that's yeah, well, the uh, reason. Yeah. The ahead. reason, reason I asked that question was because, you know, we're talking about sawtooth waveforms. I've got the big modular synthesizer behind me there. Um, I could easily just select an, a, a, a sawtooth waveform on one of the oscillators and write a track specifically around that waveform and you know, do a three-part MIDI file and send it to you guys and you know, we come up with a custom track for it or something. Absolutely. That, that would, would be, be cool. Wicked. Wicked. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I want. I I would like to go on record to say I've always been a big fan of Simon's sounds he makes. The I call them the crunchy sounds. They're very crunchy sounding, and they're. It sounds very. It sounds more like a synthesizer and less like an organ, you know. Um, yeah. So is this based on stuff you did in your demos, Simon? Uh, yeah, the player, the player itself is just an expanded version of that. Um, and I've showed Paul a lot of tricks along the way, along those past three weeks. We're just throwing it backwards and forwards, showing him a lot of tricks of how to make stuff faster and stuff like that. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I've got multiple players, but I just I just tend to fall back on the sawtooth player because it's so efficient. Mm-hmm. I do players that use samples and stuff like that, um, any kind of sample. Um, but I, I just I just fall back on the sawtooth players because it's so efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that the too. fact that you don't notice any stuttering or pausing in this game while it's running and scrolling and jumping and ducking and everything, and the whole thing feels very fluid and continuous. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to play it again. This is cool. And it looks good on Channel 4. <laughs> <laughs> now, will any women's breasts pop up? <laughs> Maybe dinosaur breasts. See if I can, see if I can get to a thousand. Ouch. Okay. Them needles will get you. <laughs> yeah, Ron Delvaux's experience with cactuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean those mountains. That's a big chunk of data you're moving there. And the speed in which the little dinosaur bobs up and down seems very fast. Come on, Stevie, get to a thousand. Yeah, just wait, Stevie. Ah, son of a bitch. Oh, so close. Ah. Uh, 15 away from it. Yeah, oh, sorry. 70, 90, uh, yeah, this is cool, man. This is fun. It's This is something that could like be on a smartphone real easy. You know, it's just like you tap, you know, swipe up or swipe down for jumping, uh, jumping duck. Yeah, uh, it, becomes, it becomes incredibly addictive. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Timberman, too, like you're saying, because there's, there's not a lot to do, but you just want to keep doing it, you know? Um... Plus the moon stays Plus the run game. Well, yeah. That's where I actually um, came up with the ideas. You know, a few years ago, I was sitting on a plane, and it was one of those flights that had free internet service. And for whatever reason, my phone would connect to Wi-Fi, but there was no internet. And uh, the dinosaur kept popping up. And I'm like, what's with this stupid dinosaur? And it <laughs> started running. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm like, this is pretty cool. So for the next couple hours on the flight, I was playing the dinosaur game. And uh, at one point, you know, uh, I said, you know, this would be kind of cool as a Coco thing. You know, this is pretty simple. It's, you know, probably wouldn't be too hard to pull together. And um, sure enough, the opportunity presented itself a few weeks ago. 
Are you impressed someone got the reference to that? Well, um, I'm actually surprised at how many people haven't seen it um, that don't know about the, the Google Dinosaur game. I mean, you can actually get to it um, uh, if you type in a Chrome browser, if you do Chrome colon slash slash um, dinosaur, I think, or Dino or something. Um, or huh. So there's an actual game that Google has with this running dinosaur? Yeah, that's where it came from. Yep. Oh, this, oh this, is, this whole game is that game? Pretty much. I, I improvised a little bit and I added Oh, okay. I thought you just took influence it. from the dinosaur itself. No. no I mean, if you, look at, if you look at the Google game, I mean, it's pretty much identical. So Minus. Google's got clouds. We've got mountains. Okay. I like those mountains. Yeah, the mountains look really good. And the mountains, like the mountains like look... The Im- like yeah. the mono. The mountains look impressive because they look very digitized. They look kind of photorealistic-ish. Um, yeah. And it also... I'm going to tell you a secret. I took a picture from the interweb, which was a mountainscape, which was actually a real mountainscape in Canada or somewhere. Uh-huh. And I removed all of it, and I just took it into one bit using... Paul, what did I use? Uh, oh, I used uh, ditherlicious.com. Ditherlicious. So, yeah, I had some mountains in there to begin with, and they were pretty crappy. <laughs> not, not like that. Uh, what Simon's got in there, he's like, he's like, let me work on the mountains a little bit. And I'm like, absolutely, have at it. And uh, he came up with this uh, one-bit bitmap uh, using ditherlicious.com, and uh, it's a great site for, you know, converting files to, uh, you know, one-bit or uh, mono uh, bitmap images um, with dithering and a um, little bit of tweaking, and they came out beautiful. So it looks like you guys are taking advantage of like the the four sections of the P mode four screen, like the fifteen thirty six block byte blocks, because of the way that it's so sort of carefully segmented. The top doesn't move. This next section moves, and then is yeah. that is, is that part of it, or, or it's well, just it, it just it, looks that it way. Is, it is to a degree, Paul. I mean, and some some of that's by design. And what, I mean, what we're what we were trying to do is just like you said. Uh, create different bands of scrolling right. um, one it allowed us to control the, the flow of the graphics a little bit more but um we were also going for a parallax effect where the mountains are scrolling slower than the foreground and you know just trying to mm-hmm. give that illusion of you know actual movement there so i got a, i got a kick out of his little legs going yeah the ducking animation yeah it's pretty cool the duck yeah. Uh, this, this is the demo. All right. Well, we're gonna play it again. Yeah. Oh, I, I got. I got to try to get to a thousand. This is good. Yeah. There we go. Cool. I know you. <laughs> do. How many tracks are there? Three. This is the. This is the what I call the Irish Spring one here. That London Bridge is falling down? Yeah. Uh, what the hell's that got to do with dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of the songs that sounded better than the others. So. Okay, just because it fits but, the sawtooth, huh? Yeah, about um, 12, 13K of uh, the file, which is a 22K bin file, is the music. So more than half is the music. 
and hopefully it just keeps getting faster and faster. That's right. Damn it, jump too soon. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the London Bridges song. <laughs> I wonder if that's low bass. Now you don't get any points for jumping, it's just points for staying alive, basically. Exactly. Really simple scoring. Just go as long as you can. Shit, I jumped that guy. I was supposed to duck under him. <laughs> was that dumb luck? Uh, you can, it has to be exact, um, but you can jump over them. Oh, when man. Yep. Uh, I'm thankful you didn't put stupid, you know, when, when you when you ended on one of those. Or, you know, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, the, other, the other thing is, if you looked at the... When you when you brought that up on on STC Explorer, did you see the custom directory? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, the dino. Yeah. I didn't have that on mine. What it should say instead of game over is you've gone extinct. Yeah, right. <laughs> Extinction. <laughs> so I think, I think one other thing worthy to note about it is uh, it's all it's all single screen, no double buffering. Um, you know, there's uh, it's just basically bit blasting um, to the screen, um, but. Uh, yeah. There's no flickering. There's no, there's no noticeable flicker. Meet Mad Lab. <laughs> a, game like this, a game like this would be nicely ported to like an Apple II or other 8-bit machines. Well, I don't think the Apple II could handle the background interrupt-driven multi-voice music. Yeah, that, 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 we're really leveraging the 6809 for all it's worth in this one. I don't know. Graphically, they, probably, but audibly, probably not. I, I agree. I mean, with you know some audio offloading, I think it would be extremely difficult to pull something like this off on a 6502. So well, that you, would okay. be... You went with, with the green and black instead of the buff color and black for, for what reason? Well, we... Um, we I did... So it's RGB uh, on the, the VCC here, but um, if... If you uh, play it in composite mode, you'll see that it's uh, black and white, but you're going to have the artifacting in mm, there. Let me flip the switch. Just wanted... Uh, Curtis Boyle wants to know yeah. if you used uh, stack blasting on the mountain. We were we were looking at that, Curtis, but we decided not to. We got him going fast enough without it. Um, so we're basically bit blasting. <laughs> yeah. There's um, no, you know, it's, no stack blasting whatsoever. No stack blasting. Nope. You're going to hit 1,000. That's that's the that's the that's the game over score though. That's not me. Will that will that become the new high score? Yeah. Does the game no, over high no, score? Nope. When you end, right? It's just it's just rubbing it in your face, basically. Uh, it's basically saying <laughs> it's basically saying machine. Let me show you how it's done. It's so much better at it than you are. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's hard to see here, but I flipped the switch on composite, and I don't really see the artifacting. So no, on a VC save. So if you play VCC for whatever reason, um, it doesn't do the green and uh, green and black properly in composite mode. It has to be an RGB. Yeah, well, this is on this is on a cocoa. I'm on a I'm on... Which, which looks good. It'll always play great on the cocoa, um, either composite or RGB. Yeah, but this so this is the RGB. But yeah, we're basically to get back to Paul's question. We I didn't want the artifacting, and you know, I, there some things you know um, I think look generally better in this mode. I know yep. people, a lot of people don't like the green, but uh, this was one that I thought would probably be no, it suits it well. Oh, well, this is a cocoa. Oh, an arrow. That's new. Uh, yeah, he's already at two thousand. So you can see now the mountains are moving faster at two thousand points. Wow. Yeah, everything's moving. Yeah. Yeah, so you can kind of get a preview of what you're up against. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Questions, comments, reactions from the panel, from the audience? I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. Uh, Davey, do you think you'll get above 2,000 before the uh, end of the day? Uh, You know, I, I who knows? Who knows? Um. <laughs> So how do you get this game? Uh, well, I can't do it now because we're we're in the middle of the show. I will add it to amacoconut.com, probably under downloads, uh, software downloads on amacoconut.com, and I'll also add it on 8-Bit256 when you go to look at software because I've got links to everybody's software there. Why That's, is it $30 at your site? For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, a management fee. Your cost <laughs> Simon and I wanted to do this one as a freebie for the community, you know, get it in everybody's hands so they can play with it. Um, the other thing that we're going to do with this, uh, after I have an opportunity, go through and document some more code uh, on it and just clean it up a little bit, we're going to open source it and make it available for on GitHub. So uh, anybody that's looking for, you know, some tutorials and how we did it and, you know, what, you know, pull what they want from it, you know, for their own purposes. Um, that's cool. Oh, very nice. Thank well, you the great thing is, is like when Simon releases his music player and says, here's my music player and here's the music and here's what it sounds like. And you've got 50% CPU utilization and it's left at that. Well, then as all you, all you have to do is speculate. Well, okay, that's great. We got music and we got 50% CPU. I wonder what can I do with that CPU? And the average person's going to leave it there. I'm just going to wonder what can you do with CPU? But Paul Fiscarelli says, I'm not going to wonder, I'm going to find out. And, and that was your mission, is what can I do with 50% CPU? Uh, and and honestly, it's pretty it's pretty damn good. So it's it's straightforward, fun little game, you know? Well, um, you've, you've actually got 74% CPU. <laughs> and it was done it's, in 24 days, 24 days from start to finish. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, the whole thing's in, the, the fact that there's no SID chip here. It's all 6809. There's no gimme being used. It's it's all just the processor doing all of that. That's that impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. And that would have sold for 50 bucks in the 80s and point eight million. Yeah, that could have been a cartridge. That could have been a 49.95 cartridge, and it would have, you know. Well, I'm throwing my Dino Wars away. <laughs> well here's something here's something i think i've mentioned this before and this is what i would love to see i think dino wars number one is probably one of the single most underrated achievements on the color computer i think the scaling and perspective that they did the sound they pulled off everything else with dino wars was really i'm gonna i'm gonna 
go out here and say revolutionary. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm painting a target on my head, but I think that game was revolutionary. I have uh, to agree with you, Steve. Um, Especially that was it was done in 4K. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Not, now, the, the one thing that I will say about uh, Dino Wars that, you know, is, works against it is you need another player. So I would love somebody to just disassemble Dino Wars, take the assets, take the basic code and graphics, and turn it into like a single-player game where you control one dinosaur and you're fighting against waves of computer-controlled dinosaurs. First one, and then two, and then three, and make it kind of like a Mortal Kombat or something where you just have to go through rounds of attacking dinosaurs and there becomes boss modes and stuff like that. But I think there's... I think if somebody took that soul of that game and just, you know made it play more like a newer style console game, I think that would be, I think you could, you know, get a lot of hours of enjoyment out of something like that, you know? Cool project, Steve. So, Steve, um, one thing I did want to add is um, the name that we came up with is For a Reason. Okay. And, um, you know, we wanted to have a tie uh, to, to Dino Wars. The history of the color computer. Uh-huh. And uh, there's been some talk. So, um, Simon and I, I mean, we just, it just flowed so well. Uh, I doubt that this is going to be our last collaboration and, uh, we've been tossing some ideas around, so we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. I mean, I don't want to, you know, promise anything obviously because, you know, things happen, but, um, are you, you know. guys going to do the white castle game? <laughs> what <No>. the hell? <laughs> white castle <laughs> game? Yeah, sliders, you know? run two. Dino run two, run faster, run harder. Run uh, harder. Using the Well, you you could actually you could actually just take the same assets now, and instead of being the dinosaur, you could be the pterodactyl and just you know drop <laughs> drop little rocks on the dinosaur beneath it. So you have to like do, do these little bombing runs where you're flying by and trying to bomb guys on the ground. Pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, do you want me to go through some of the, the comments in the chat? Yes, please, please. Uh, so Curtis has been very chatty. Um, what else is now? Let's see. Curtis is saying <laughs> this reminds me of Little Runner from Rainbow, a machine language game starring a Smurf instead of a dinosaur. Hmm. Uh, he posted a link to that game in the chat on uh, YouTube. Uh, if we want to take a look at that or not. Richard Atkinson says, run it from a cartridge ROM on a Coco 2 in address-dependent clock mode. I guess that's what he's saying uh, would allow it to run on a Coco 2. I think that's what he's implying there. Um, let's uh, a great con uh, Dragon Bite saying, this looks so fun. The music sounds great. Uh, Ken Riker, now how much will you pay? Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Curtis again saying, Simon, if we did a reduced resolution version or a 6309 native mode version, could it run at Coco 1-2 speeds or would not having the timer R R IRQ make that prohibitive? That's not an issue. Okay. You can remove one voice. You can... Reduce the resolution. Uh, do you want to see it in MC10? Yeah. Now, how much uh, would you no. pay? <laughs> <laughs> well, but wait, there's more. We're, we're going to have it running on the pocket computer too. So. <laughs> the Model 100. Yeah, Fletcher's going to uh, have it on the Model 100. 
Russian calculator. Dragon Bite <laughs> saying maybe they, <laughs> maybe if they reduced audio voices and sample rates. Uh, we t we talked about stack blasting. It's not using stack blasting on uh, the mountains. Uh, the sawtooth also gives that distinctive '80s sound. Says Dragon Bite. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, not... a couple couple other questions in the chat. Um, who is shooting that arrow, and mm -hmm. does it does it get you anywhere? Do you go anywhere? So um, just have to wait on that one. You, I've purposely left it where the arrows are kind of the last obstacle, and you don't know where they're coming from yet. Okay. So that's something to be discovered. Yes. Okay. So um, it might not be using stack blasting, but it might be having a blast with the new math tutor. <laughs> um, cool stuff. Well, man, great, great stuff. Now here, here, now I, um, number one, th thanks guys for doing this. And also, um, you know, I, I had been given uh, a game, the preview before that I dropped the ball on and it came from Matchy. Matchy had sent me something in a Facebook messenger and, um, and I, I, I forgot it because that's not where I usually process things to do. I don't process my to-do list from Facebook Messenger. I usually look through the Discord channel. So that one got lost in, um, in, um, got lost in my to-do list. But that was one where we, we've seen the video for it where it's um, the guy that jumps up through the clouds and stuff like that. So we did have one that I could have, should have probably debuted, but I dropped the ball on that one. So I wanted to say, uh, number one, Matchy, thanks for sending that to me. And number two, sorry for never getting around to actually trying it myself but um but the benefit of this one at least was you know paul reached out to me um through discord which i am a little bit more actively looking through i look i look at discord throughout the week discord is kind of my inbox and my to do for the show that's just how i process things to do uh, how we've been communicating so paul reached out to me in discord um, and then we spoke on the phone and we kind of um, plan this today. So I would just say in the future, if somebody would like us to debut something of yours, which we would love to, we would, we would love showing off stuff, then the best way for me to keep it consciously in my mind would be to, you know, communicate with me via Discord. Um, and, and also it would be helpful if, you know, if, if we're going to debut your game, it'd be helpful if we could talk to you as well. So uh, for future people, we'd love to have you on, not only to show off your game, but to hear from you, you know, you know, the, the behind the scenes and stuff like that, the story. Uh, so cool stuff, man. Thank you so much, Paul and Simon. And Simon's been helping out so many people. I mean, there's a long history of Simon helping people create games that made it to the market. One of the first ones I remember was you helping Lee Patterson with Bouncy Ball. That was my first Cocoa Fest back in 2016. Yeah, so, we took it from 6 frames a second to 50 frames a second. Yeah, so I remember you helping Lee Patterson and Bouncy Ball, and then obviously you've helped uh, Paul Thayer with Timberman and possibly other projects he's working on. And now you've helped Paul Fiscarelli. I'm seeing a trend here. Paul's. You're helping Paul's. Do you have to be named Paul to get help from you, Simon? Uh, no. <laughs> one, of my, one of my middle names is Paul. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, that's cool. So thanks for sharing that. And for, for people who've possibly asked me to show off something in the past, if I did drop the ball, which I have dropped many balls, uh, I don't do them on purpose and I apologize. But um, really moving forward, the better way to remind me to do things is definitely in Discord. Um, and we do have a Coco Talk lobby channel where anybody can throw in a suggestion there in the lobby or news topics and suggestions. So uh, there's there's ways to reach out to us. So excellent. Um, 
Anything else we want to talk about that? Any more? I'm going to put my hand put my hand up once again, and you know, like I said, guys, if if you want to, we get in touch during the week or something, or in the next couple of weeks or whatever, and I'm up for doing some custom music. For yeah, you. please get David, get rid of get rid of London Bridges. Give them anything that will replace London Bridges, David. Not a fan <laughs> of that track. It's it just doesn't match dinosaur stuff. You know. <laughs> get hold of me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Get hold of What's me. the best? I'm usually on Facebook. Right. He's on. He's on. Yes. He's on Bookface. Book <laughs> <laughs> you know, something that would tie um, Arizona and London Bridge is that London Bridge is here in Arizona. Some rich guy took it down and brought it here. Really? Yeah. Richard McCullough, <clears throat> president or owner of the McCullough Chainsaw Company. You know how I know that? How do you know that? Because I used to work at the Lake Havasu Marina during the summers when I was in college. Well, there you go. Very cool. <laughs> Proof. Great place to work when you're in college. Have you seen the bridge? No, yeah, I used, to have, I used to have to drive across it every day going to work. Well, oh, cool. Very so, cool. See, they so, didn't even know. So um, Paul Shoemaker says he's got to go. Thanks for being here, Paul Shoemaker. Um, so yeah, we will make a we'll make that disc image available on imacoconut.com and on 8bit256.com. Um, so can yes, you, you should put it in. Can you just try to do a, a directory without using SDC Explorer, just to show you another another? Oh sure, sure. Let okay. me switch it. Let me switch over. Just um, do another. Yeah, hold on. I got I, I, I got some weird stuff going on here through my captures and splitters and stuff. So I, it, I've got some screen manipulation to do here. So bear with me just a second. Um, okay. There's enough tricks in this to to. Oh, you can't reset it. You've got to power off. Yeah, I'm gonna do that right now. Okay. Nasty trick in the book. Okay. So, I mean, uh, we're not, we're not gonna reveal too much. We gotta let people figure out some things on their own. Yeah, 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 but just <laughs> have him do the door. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mount it first, and then I'll break out of this. Yeah. Ah, oh, I forgot there's no freaking key repeat in uh, MS-DOS. Okay, here we go. Where the hell did it go? Dino run, so was it Shift-M? Just, uh, escape. Okay. Oh, look at that. It says Dino oh. run in the directory, too. That's cool. Having a little, a little, a little dinosaur in there. Yeah, that's cool. How did you? Yeah, how did I do that? I'm not going to tell you how I did that. I'm, I'm going to say you basically manipulated the file right on the disk. Because I used yeah. to write programs to do this where I'd read in the directory and manipulate stuff on the directory. Uh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not telling you diddly. Not telling you. I'm not it's telling. In the TV, right? It's an illusion. I'm fooling you, and you don't like it. CHR <laughs> <laughs> string. Yeah. So, no, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, neat. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you pulled up a directory on the Coco and gotten semi-graphics in your listing, you know? And that could have been color, yeah, too, yeah. but you just kept it to match the to match the game mode of black and green, right? So, uh, yeah. It can be wider than it is. Right, actually. right, and and and, and you can be ten characters wide. 
And if any has anybody, if you've ever like put an, an OS nine disc into RS DOS and typed in DIR, you saw all kinds of semi graphics probably before too, right? So you so there there are ways to because it's just it's just a character symbol, right? So but we're usually when we save things, we're saving things that we have to type on the keyboard, and there's no easy way to type these on the keyboard unless you had an MC ten, right? So but there are ways to manipulate the characters other ways than the keyboard. So no, that's cool. That's really neat. Roar! We need that roar sound when the game first starts. You know, when it first yeah, when starts, roar, and then maybe a maybe a game over death sound. <laughs> Got to get a roar in there somewhere. Um, cool stuff. Cool, cool stuff. All right, let me switch back. Let me move my splitters and switchers around. Uh, things are going crazy here. Cats and dogs. Pandemonium. Um <laughs> All right. It's a live show. Anything it's a live. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And if any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Um, good stuff. Uh, the dinosaur. What is Nick Marota saying? What am I missing here? In the <laughs> oh, oh, Matthew. Oh, just I didn't, I didn't know you could do anything other than A or B in the file type column. I thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. So. Uh, cool. All right. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. So, <laughs> how about we take a oh, commercial God. break? We're already at eleven. My brain is processing uh, semi-graphics characters in directory names. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Wow. All right. Well, since we have a couple of Australians here, how about we run the Tandy Australia Radio Shack commercial, and then we'll be back after these words. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. As you start your journey to Cocoa Fest, you notice the road ahead is littered with rogue furniture. You realize you are driving on the Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. The new game for the Tandy Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Stunning low-resolution visuals. Digital to analog converted sound. 100% machine language and basic. What are they saying about Nightmare Highway? Nightmare Highway. Steve B. York says, of all the games released this year, this is one of them. Elkert S. Boyle says, this will not be on my site. Nick Marionette says, crikey, look at the size of that croc. Get your complimentary copy of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. At cancanmakeit.com. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Coming soon. All situations depicted in this trailer actually happened. This true story has been anonymized to protect the guilty.
starting in the dead of winter, a group of bored teenagers, Blue Stuff Pup, learned code cracking, learned phone freaking, hijacked and hacked. No system was safe. No one could catch them, or so they thought. story at the dawn of the internet system hacked all right well i think we're back i forgot to put a welcome back we're now returning to coco talk at the end of that segment there all right so we are back um Yes, yes, yes. So we're going to get into news where we have we have some decent amount of news to cover because we didn't cover news last week, the Radio Shack segment, which was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the show went long, so we just kind of skipped news. So we got some last week's news, some this week's news. Um, I, and I know I, I'm just going to throw it out there and, and maybe we should have a few more people combined to do this. But I think we should start the discussion and ask the question and then we can we can talk about this topic more. But the, um, the question I want to ask right now has to do with the um, kind of the formats in which we're providing the show and releasing the show, and uh, specifically like with the live audio. Um, so um, I, what, what am I trying to say here? So we recently added um, live audio podcast streaming through Spreaker. So I've changed the, the main host of the show to use Spreaker because the main benefit of Spreaker was the fact that Spreaker allows us to stream live audio and it's interactive live audio where you could be listening and chatting at the same time. And it sounded really cool. And I thought it was a good compliment to the show because the show is live and interactive. So I thought adding one more layer to that would be just a nice compliment to the service and a, and a convenience um, for people. Let's say somebody says, I would love to listen live, but I'm not in a position where either I, can, I can't necessarily watch it or I have a bandwidth challenge, whatever the case may be. I'd still like to get it, but um, get it in a, you know, in a slightly different version. So in my head, this sounded like a really good idea. I'm not sure that it's really taken off, and I'm not sure that it's a huge benefit. So I don't know. I figured I would ask the question. So... This question is to the audience, which is 25 people out there right now, according, or actually 28 people out there watching right now, and there's um, half a dozen of us or so on the panel. Um, what do you guys think? What, what, and maybe we start off by this. Why don't we get people to chime in with what is your preferred way to experience the show? So this question would be for the audience. Do you guys prefer to watch it live and interact live when it's fresh? Is that your preference? I know there's some people that say, I just, I can't make Saturday, so I love the podcast, I love the replay. So why don't we get some of the audience to chime in on how they would prefer to experience this show. And then those of us on the panel, you know, if we're on the panel, we're kind of already experiencing the show because we're on it. But what are you guys' thoughts on the different formats? I mean, we have YouTube Live, we've got Facebook Live. We can replay it on YouTube, we can replay it on Facebook. I'm also multi-streaming to... Uh, Twitter via 
uh, what the hell is that thing called? Periscope, you know? So I'm adding all these different ways to experience the show as just kind of value added. And I'm not sure anybody cares. I'm not sure it's, <laughs> you know, is it worth it? Does anybody care? Is it a value to anyone, you know? There's additional cost too to do the, uh, the, the speaker. The speaker live, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're not going to hear from the people who listen to this as a podcast in the future. Let's say feedback to us. Feedback at CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live or leave us a message on Facebook or something like that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I would just be interested. So right now we have some people. Ben Drakes is saying, uh, I I prefer it live. Bruce Moore says, I prefer it live. Um, uh, Curtis Boyle says, I prefer being on the Zoom call. Um, But if I can't, then YouTube or Facebook. Yeah. I mean, you hit the one use case I could see for something like speaker. You're out and about uh, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, and you want to hear the show, and, right? Uh, so, so you put it on. But I don't know how often that happens. Yeah, I don't either. So um, there, there are, and and so I guess here, here's two questions I I would like to know from people who are more of the consumer of the show. Bill Noble says Bill Noble says live and YouTube replays. Um, is there a value to the video downloads? We actually have a video podcast version of the show. To my knowledge, that video is only available via iTunes. And, I, and I, I'm sure iTunes is probably um, the most popular way to experience podcasts, but there's many other ways to experience podcasts. So I don't think any other podcast player plays video podcasts other than iTunes. So we do have video podcast replays as well when the idea behind that was well if you have a bandwidth issue and you can't stream it you could download it to your device bring it with you and watch it offline things like that so you know we have lots of ways for the show to be enjoyed um i just kind of i'd kind of like to know if are we doing too much am i spreading myself too thin are we oversaturating it what what do people want what do people need things like that you know it's the other question too is i mean those if the if if Spreaker is not something that a lot of people are using and there's not a lot of value in continuing with it, those financial resources can be put into other areas. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I don't think Spreaker is, has caught on, but I also realize I don't promote it as well as I should. Probably every show at the top of the show, I should say, hey, you know, by the way, we are also streaming live on Spreaker for your listening pleasure or for people who listen later on, remind them, hey, we're also available live on Spreaker if you want to listen live. It's just, you know, I just wonder what the overall value of it is. Ken Reichert saying he plays it on Podbean, right? So with the Podbean app or the Podbean website, which was our original podcast hosting, that was another way to get the video. So Podbean, you can play the video. I think you can actually download the video straight from Podbean too, just as an MP4 player. So you could stick it on anything, a flash drive, a laptop, a tablet, whatever the case. Um, yeah, I actually used Podbean in the, before I started becoming getting involved on the panel. Um, I actually downloaded Podbean and was using that a little bit. And I did actually download a couple of episodes using it. So, yeah, you, you can do that. And you can transfer them to whatever you want, USB stick, another computer. Mm-hmm. Mobile right. Device, I right. would say since we're small beans, we should uh, broadcast as much as we can, however we can, until we kind of catch on. And then once, uh, you know, we have a large scale of people, you could probably scroll, you know, back it down to just a few couple things, and then, uh, you know, they'll find us because 
we're well known. But right. Since right. we're not well known, we probably should have our fingers out everywhere we can. My thought. Okay, fair enough. Um, and Ken Record just said I'm getting static on Spreaker. Yeah, and here's here's the challenge with Spreaker, and and I had to ch- I had to change the way I did it. It's kind of um, it's it's it was kind of a hack for me to do it live today because I only have so much desk space. I usually have a separate laptop that I use to live stream the Spreaker. I've got to split my audio, run it to another laptop, and stream it from there because I've got my Coco Three on the desk. Um, I tried doing it straight through the same PC and that's, and that, and I tested it before we went live. It seemed like it was going to work. Apparently it's not working. The audio is not working. So I've actually just killed Spreaker right now. But usually when I do Spreaker, I'm using a separate computer and, and that seems to make it work. But that's also an extra piece of equipment, an extra layer of complexity. And it's a situation where let's say if Mark uh, Bosley is going to host, I don't even want to try to go through the process of figuring out a way for him to stream it. Because he's already got enough on his plate, you know. I mean, I've like I've invented so many wheels to do this show with three screens and all my setups and ways that work for me. I don't expect everybody to jump through as many hoops as I do for the show. And like when when I'm when I'm doing the speaker now, I've got a laptop, so there's actually a fourth screen and another <laughs> device on my desk here next to me to do it. But um, if if people like that and benefit from that and um, you know, I, I don't think the speaker is a bad idea. I just don't think it's caught on. And I, I but I don't know the overall total weighed value of it, of, of getting it live versus, you know what, I'll hear it. I'll hear it Monday. You know, I, I just don't know, you know, so and there's a lot of people chiming in. So let's go back and let's look at some of the responses in the chat here right now. Um, so, yeah, D. Bruce Morris says, I prefer YouTube. Explore VR says I have Spreaker installed, but I haven't used it much because I'm usually on my PC. But you can actually listen to it on a website too. So there's a link in the description of the video where to listen to it live, although it's not working right now. Um, uh, Ken Reichert says I would like Spreaker when I'm mowing the lawn and outside on my on my Wi-Fi. I mean, would you listen to this show while you're mowing the lawn? That's that's kind of sad. But <laughs> um, David Lord says YouTube live. Bill Noble says YouTube live or on a replay. Um, Rob Inman says YouTube is fine. Even in the car, I can link in the audio. And, and that is true. But there are some people, maybe a minority, but there are some people who are bandwidth challenged. You know, they've got a bandwidth cap and they only have so much bandwidth they can use. So... Uh, we're trying to be conscientious of that, but you, you, listen, you can't you can't have one solution that's the perfect solution for the entire planet, right? Um, Dragon Bite says, "I love to watch live, but when it, when it is after the fact, uh, the two plus hours is overwhelming, right?" Okay, so watching live it it is a commitment, right? So we're already right now we're going on almost two hours. Nimble says, "I like YouTube live when I can catch it on Saturdays." Dragon Bite, so I like a nice long live show and afterwards small segments on YouTube to watch later would be cool. We've actually talked about that and we that is on our plan to create these kind of little sections, these little segments of digest. Um, Ken Reichert says live if you can use less data when you're on mobile. Uh, the YouTube replay is when I don't make the live. Uh, get it on Podbean. Thomas Sorison says hi. Uh, Disney Saints fan says I prefer it live. Midday Saturday is tough for me. Been watching the replay on YouTube. Haven't consumed it any other way. Um, uh, well, it's Dragon Bites. Get it, get it on a cassette and listen to it on my Walkman on the go. <laughs> we could have the Cassette of the Week Club, right? Brian Weasler says hello. 
Um, <laughs> David Lord says, what about reel to reel, huh? Um, you could use your, use your, your Radio Shack battery card now to get the batteries to run your Walkman. Yeah, right, right. I don't know. So I don't. I don't know that there's a. I don't know that there's a single best answer to this. Um, we have experimented with the time, and we're kind of. We've kind of come back to this two o'clock Saturday because this seems to work for most of us in the United States. It seems to work for the UK. Uh, we got a couple of Australians crazy enough to join us at four in the morning in Aussie time. Um, so it's been hard to pick. It's been hard to pick the best time. Um, and it's also Curtis Boyle says for live, remember on YouTube, you can change the settings to lower resolution and save on bandwidth, even with video. Okay. Um, that is true. Uh, I, I, th I think, I think the multi-streaming to, you know, to me, multi-streaming, it's a non-issue because it doesn't cost me anything extra that much. And if I'm, if I'm streaming to YouTube and Facebook and, and I'm also streaming to Twitch and Mixer right now, too, which are gaming sites that I'm sure nobody's watching us on, but it's all part of the same solution. And that also included Periscope, which is feeding Twitter. I'm pretty sure maybe two people have seen the Twitter feed. But I don't, I don't really care about that because that's just, that's just there, and that's, that's even a non-consideration for me. I'm really more concerned about really two things. Does anybody care about live audio? Um, and, does, and, and is there a, a tremendous value to the video, offline video replays that you can get from um, Podbean and iTunes, the video podcast. That's kind of what I want to know because there, there are directions I can take to consolidate to a single audio hosting because right now we're paying for two and I really want to pick one over the other. Um, I, don't, I don't see the benefit of paying for both of these plans right now if it's, if it's not helping the audience, you know? So... Anyways, things to think about. We don't have to, we're not, we might not come to a conclusion right now. We don't need to beat this to death, but I want to throw the thought out there. I'd love to get some feedback throughout the show. And you can also send us email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Um, we're going to go on to news. Does anybody else have anything they want to say before we jump into news? Anyone? Anyone? Going once, going twice. All righty then. Well, then we're going to jump into the news part of the show without any soundboard whatsoever. Um, uh, this is the picture that Curtis pu pulled up of the little runner. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I can um, zoom in. I guess I'd have to zoom in on the browser. All right, so this is the game that Curtis mentioned that um, Paul Fiscarelli's game reminded him of, of a Smurf running over mushrooms and uh, tree stumps. Um, actually, that Smurf looks pretty good. The blue and yellow on the green look pretty good. Um, so that was a picture of that, but I don't know that we have that game anywhere. What did we just get from Curtis? I do watch the video podcast on occasion, multiple times per year, live audio. I just use YouTube on a low res setting. Thomas Sorensen says I use YouTube. Um, it seems like most people are getting it on YouTube and, you know, and that's fine. All right. So that was a picture of that. So what else do we have here on our stuff? So, all right. Uh, this is from our Dragon group on Facebook. This is uh, for those of you who are in the UK and in the EU. We also have a Dragon group. I, I want to try to represent some of them as well. So this came from a person. I'm not even sure if I can pronounce the name. Nur Derry. I've got two Dragon 32s that have different boards in them. Uh, the one with the lower serial number has a separate detachable memory board. And the other one has one board and 32K ROMs are soldered. Uh, I'm not familiar with dragon boards at all, to be honest with you, but I thought this was kind of cool just to see the innards of a dragon because I have not seen the innards of a dragon yet. 
So here's one board. I uh, look at that whole power supply thing back there. That's fairly bulky. Oh, that's, those are our serial ports, our RS-232, things like that. Um, here's our here's our other board. So, yep, I just thought that was kind of... Here's look at that little memory piggyback board. That kind of looks like a, a boomerang or a triad or something, huh? Where that memory's kind of stuck up on there. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with the dragons yet. I've, I've got one. I've got the U.S. dragon, but I haven't really cracked mine open yet. Anybody familiar with these boards or the variations of the dragon boards? Nope. It's interesting. The memory, the piggyback, the memory board on it looks like a like a hybrid between a, a Coco 1 or 2 design and a Coco 3. Yeah. Coco 3 has got yeah. the engine sitting up on top. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Cool stuff. Lots of lots of cool stuff on that dragon board. Here's another one. This looks like a uh, a problem that could be RAM or CPU or VDG. So uh, anyone got this screen before? And we got some people chiming in. Could be RAM. Try typing motor on and then listen for the click um, if you hear the sound. To test the CPU. Oh, Richard Atkinson says the dragon was going to be a 16K machine. The original board was laid out for 16K. Okay, so that might have been an older one. All right. So, yeah, so this right now, I don't know a lot about hardware, but this could be a VDG problem. This could be a RAM problem. This could be a CPU problem. Those are the common things that, that affect that, right? Uh, James Differendaffer says it could be problems from the ROM left over. Could be bad RAM. Uh, I, I don't know if you got an answer to that question, but these are the things that happen out there on Facebook. People, people post pictures and hopefully get some help on that. So... That was some stuff going on in, in the in the Dragon group here. Um, before I leave this group, let's see what else is new and exciting in the Dragon group right now. Um, I've got I've made some progress. Okay, so he's got a second picture where he's gotten rid of the patterns. Now he's just got a single color. Okay, so that's good. So that could that could be RAM. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, this is in the Coco group. Okay, hi guys. I've got a monitor. Uh, 1084 uh, that shows magenta background, and then I turn on the Coco 3 uh, when I turn it on. So when I turn on my Coco 3, I'm getting a magenta background. Is this easy to repair? It's not the Coco 3. I have another monitor, and, and the display is fine. So this is a commoner monitor, I'm assuming, is, is composite. Um, it looks like the screen has an issue with the monitor. Okay. I don't know that we got a I don't know that we got an answer to that question here. It's, I made a few replies in that topic, and uh, so this this is a, this is a composite monitor, right? This this Commodore screen. Yeah, uh, I, they're uh, they're composite, but inside they're all got they've all got RGB going to the, the back of the picture tube. It's mm. a it's a it's a predecessor to uh, S Video, the Commodore. Mm. So they probably has a uh, it may have a composite, but it may also have that Commodore connector, which is basically S Video before S Video came out. Oh, okay. So we're not sure how he's connecting to this then. So yeah, was, I thought he mentioned in there somewhere too that it was doing it with, uh, with the magenta screen um, without the, the the computer turned on, or maybe I'm wrong there. But um, oh, so it's the monitor itself. He's saying it's not the Coco. If I yeah, plug a different monitor yeah. into the Coco, the screen is fine. So this screen has got a magenta screen. So now, really, the question is: is how do how do I fix the magenta screen? It's not really a Coco question. It's more of a CRT question. All right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And and so yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. You said you gave him some feedback there, David. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I used to work as a qualified TV repair tech, and that looks like a, either a screen resistor fault on the back of the picture tube, on the back of the neck board. Okay. Sometimes they can have dry solder joints on them, and one of the colours can uh, can rise up in in level, and you can get a, a an effect like that. Um, so yeah, a few of us were talking about that, suggesting um, that that would be a good place to look, resolder dry joints on there, and see if they uh, it comes good after that. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So that sounds like a hardware question. Now, this I thought was interesting. So Sheldon McDonald uh, posted this. I think this was posted last week. So if you guys are familiar with the game Chopper Strike, he's got it now on a ROM cartridge. And what is the subject of this post? The subject of this post is I was doing some testing and I found it was just as easy to put machine language-based games from Disk Basic to EEPROM using almost the same copy ROM to memory uh, first and then exec it as you do with the basic EPROMs. So I'm wondering if anyone is interested in such a tool that rewrites your bin file to flash and then load it from cartridge. Currently, it needs to be less than 16K. It could also write a loader for bigger bin tiles, uh, bin files uh, to use the Game Master cartridge EPROM. Does anyone want to expand their cartridge library? You know what this made me think of, honestly? Is that we need a, we need a solid user-friendly tool for the Cocoa Flash. Jim Brain's product, where you have all these banks of memory where you can load stuff into there. So he's come up with a way to take games and, and convert them to run off of a of a basically a cartridge image. And I'm assuming this is picture is a cartridge where he put Chopper Strike on there. So it's kind of cool that you can take a program and make it boot from ROM. But to me, I thought it would be even cooler if we have this holy grail solution for the Cocoa Flash, where somebody's made the holy grail way to just get stuff on the Cocoa Flash real easy, you know. Um, but has anybody experienced this kind of stuff here, taking stuff and booting it to ROM? Crickets? Yep. Yep, okay. Well, anyways. Well, the SDC has slots you can... Yeah, the SDC has got a few banks where you can load something into the Flash on that, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so that process could go into to a bank on the SDC as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of cool. That just made me think of the Cocoa Flash. So I'm, ho I'm hoping that we someday we've got the Holy Grail Cocoa Flash menu and loader system. Um, all right. Mike Wilson. Hey, guys. New to the group. I wanted to share my eBay find from this week. Had a Cocoa 2 when I was a kid. Time to relive it. So that's kind of cool, right? I remember my first eBay Cocoa. <laughs> So nice one, right? And they got the the upgraded keyboard. I don't know what the hell that is back there. Um, nice CRT television. Yeah, looks good. What is it? What I don't know what that is in the back there. It almost looks like an MC10 thing. Um, okay, what is what is Curtis Curtis saying? Uh, while one can run most of these just fine off the SDC and have and have all the games on it, but one can also enable ROM double speed up poke if it's on ROM. For the Coco One and Two, ah, that's one benefit to ROM, right? So it's always nice to see somebody getting back into the Coco, right? So I thought that was kind of cool. This was posted from uh, Mike Wilson about a week ago, and then people are responding to him, telling him about the Coco Crew archive and uh, the Coco, uh, the Coco, the Color Computer Archive, Coco Crew podcast, uh, YouTube channels, Coco SDC, right? So people are just flowing off with some responses on things to check out now that you're new to the Coco. So cool stuff there. Uh, Ed Snyder, 
Uh, I think this was posted last week, but this was a, a thing he mentioned where, kind of similar to what I guess you did, Paul, where you're taking a mini file and converting it to Simon's Sawtooth. This was a tool to, I think, output to the OPL chip. That is that. Um, through, through Windows. Version. So. Yeah. And then, then uh, this file would play like this in OpenMPT. That sounds good, huh? And then Delta. Yeah, sounds good. And I mean, whenever that's I quite... go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that's playing off the tracker on Windows, and then he used a, a, a tool to convert that um, into a file that'll play on the uh, Coco, uh, the Mega Mini MPI, the IPL3 chip. Gotcha. Using his chip. So Stevie, I was just going to add uh, when you mentioned that uh, that's the exact program I used, OpenMPT, and uh, okay. what, you're, what you're seeing right there is the track information. It's text based. Okay. I, uh, copied all that and pasted it into the little utility I wrote, and it converted it to um, to a byte format that could just be used with Simon's player. Hmm. Neat, neat. But I love it that we have all these tools out there where you can just find music and just port it over to the Coco, essentially. You know. Um, and this sound to me, this sounds so sound blastery, you know, I know that's basically what the chip is, right? It's a sound blaster style chip, but this reminds me of, you know, early PC games on the sound blaster. Uh, sounds cool. Sounds cool. Um, Emerson Costa posted this picture here. He's got a tool that can take ASCII art and convert it to a semi graphics four screen. All right. So, um, I'm trying to see, does he have a link to download this? There's a GitHub for it. So there's a utility where you could basically put in text characters uh, as ASCII art and then have that art converted to um, to color. So I thought the picture was kind of cool. Um, and yeah, so there is a link to this. I, I think there's some translation going on here. So hopefully what you get on GitHub, you'll be able to understand. But um, that looks cool. Where was the original link? So it's Facebook groups. It's under GitHub. And that GitHub link is got the, the basic file and then a PNG file. So there's an actual ASCII to art sg4.bass. So there's a basic file showing you how to do this. If so, that's something that somebody wants to play with. So that looks pretty cool. Um, what else we got going on here? So now I don't know if this guy or Nielsen, not Willie Nelson, but Will Nielsen says, Another new keyboard made by Ed Snyder. It looks great. Yes, and I like the blue keys here. I was not sold on the blue keys at first, but this layout here with the with the light, the dark gray, and the blue, I think that's a nice contrast there. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no shortage of color combinations that somebody can really pick here. Um, you mean you mean color? Color, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I like that. Uh, those, the blue does not, before, I don't know, I was looking at the blue, it just seemed kind of, I don't know, childish, you know. Oh, it's neat, I like it. Yeah, yeah that looks kind of cool. I might even, Ed Snyder sent me the blue keycaps for mine too that I can swap over in a, in a swapping tool if I want to. I haven't done it yet, but I, I might get inspired and actually try it out and see what I think, leave it there for a week or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think this is a neat little combination of uh, colors there. So that's cool. Will, Will Nielsen, cool. Thanks for sharing that picture. Um, so this is a video of um, 
So what what was the actual the description of this is this is a very so this is Roger Taylor's netmate running a um, BBS that was designed for the Mega that's really heavy on ANSI, right? So it's just kind of showing um, how this program can handle the, the colors and the graphics and everything. All right, so he's connecting. Here we go. Yeah, this is... Um, look at that. Look at the ANSI materializing, huh? Who are you? That looks good, right? Yeah, it does. Very good. Enter your password. That's pretty responsive. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty responsive. And um, very ANSI heavy where you've got like positions on the screen and everything else, huh? Look at that. I remember, I, f I forgot what the program was called. The the Draw, I think it was called. I used to use back in the day to make ANSI stuff. Look at these images, man. These things are cool. So what did the um, what did the Amiga have? Did it have like an IBM font set, or is this all just normal ASCII letters and symbols and stuff? Extended you, ASCII. You can see the cursor is just refreshing on that screen very quickly there, too, as it's redrawing everything, right? Lots of features. Man, that's impressive, huh? This is like ANSI on steroids, man. Look at that. Incredible artwork, man. Yep. This program does support the high-speed serial ports for the Mega Mini MPI. Yeah. I mean, a lot of colors. The font looks really good. I never thought I'd get excited at looking at a BBS, but this is actually pretty damn cool. <laughs> you know? I wonder if it supports as many colors as uh, Twilight Term. I mean, there weren't any more than 16 on a uh, on normal PC, Anzi, anyways. I don't know what the Amiga had. Is the responsiveness, responsiveness of it is, is quite impressive. Absolutely. I mean, this is heavy. This is some heavy ANSI. Not bad for two megahertz. Yeah, not even. Yeah, yeah. Hey, talk, talking about uh, terminal emulation, was there ever uh, a TN3270 terminal emulator release for the Copa? For, like, interfacing with the mainframe? No. Um, it's anybody... I, I mean, just out of curiosity, I mean... I, because um, used to go into stores, a lot of department stores, uh, they stayed on legacy mainframe for a long time. You could look at the screen of the high dollar computer setting, uh, you know, there in front of them, and all they're running is a, a TN3270 terminal you know, to do data entry and, and run the applications on the mainframe. So, um, curious or surprised, nobody came up with something like that for the Coco. Oh, okay. Curtis Boyle said Twilight Term supported 32 colors. I didn't realize there were that many colors in there. I don't know the answer to that question, though, Joe. Yeah. Just yeah. curious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Now, I wish Chet Simpson was still here because we had one of these news articles. So he posted this on August 14th. So it's been about 10 days ago. But he was talking about how he has been working on this archive. Um, okay. Greetings. I haven't had a lot of time for Coco even 
and the internet these days, but I kind of expected my summer to go this way. Uh, the result is a full database containing a slightly corrected version of the Delphi form archives, which I highly recommend reading at 300 baud. The database, <laughs> as stored on MySQL, is roughly 62 megabytes, excluding the search word tables to speed up searching by keyword. It's my hope someone with far more time than myself will be able to make a searchable version of this available via a web page. See below for more in for info. Um, getting the database created required a few changes to the archive, some of which were done by hand, others with an import script. Most were trivial changes, but required some verification and research before committing to the change. These changes made so far. Both archive files were merged into a single file. The beginning and end of the archives were trimmed to remove output from the Delphi session. Uh, the middle of the archive had to be edited to compensate for disconnected while downloading messages. Unfortunately, when the archive effort was restarted, it was done at a message 53,000, resulting in a loss of 456 messages. Okay, several messages contained uh, certain dashes, which had to be used by Delphi to separate messages. That's been updated to use a set of a single dash, but a double dash. Messages formatting was not updated. People like to hit enter at the end of the line back then, and they didn't. Uh, Delphi formatted it with the terminal as being sent to, since the archive was acquired from the terminal that automatic formatting was applied. Um, all messages containing a blank topic had their topics remapped. The timestamp format was fixed on a handful of messages late in the archive. Not sure why the change just, okay. Corrections were applied to, there's a lot of information here, right? So basically he's got a lot of information on this database, but what he's doing here is giving us a way to have access to the history of Delphi. And that was before my time as far as uh, that, well, I mean, I was around, but I was not into Delphi. I was not into online on the Cocoa. So I missed that boat. Um, so there's some, there's some feedback on here and I wish, I wish Chet was still here, but um, it sounds like it would be really cool if this database and this information could be pulled up from a website where you could just search for a subject or a person's name or a topic or whatever um, and then get get the posts from that. So I think the groundwork has been laid for that and hopefully we'll see more on that because again, that's, that's a time that I missed and it would be kind of neat to just be a fly on the wall of history and see what type of conversations happened back in the day. I mean, I've heard of certain feuds and rivalries and wars and certain attitudes and characters back in the day that I, were before my time. It'd be interesting to see some of those scathing uh, threads, you know, some of the drama from the past. And this might be, not to, not to mention knowledge and other beneficial things, but it would also be kind of fun to look back at some of the historical disputes that have happened, uh, you know. In, in the, <laughs> what's that? Eight-bit trolling. Eight-bit trolling, right? So, um, so that seems like a cool project. So I'm hoping that we'll see more from that. You find uh, the same argument still going on today. Yeah, Probably. that's what I was thinking. Uh, OS nine versus RS DOS. Why is there not a real-time clock? Uh, so, um, I sent you the hard drive, and you never paid me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, surprisingly, uh, Jim Gary has released some stuff. This one's called Bomb Squad. I think it has nothing to do with uh, uh, Rick Adams or um, or um, John Strong stuff. Bomb Squad. So 
Do you need instructions? Let's see what's going on here. You're a member of a bomb disposal unit. You must find a bomb hidden somewhere in the corridors of this building. You'll be shown a map of the building for a few seconds. Your start location is the X. Ah, so you've got to find your way through the maze to find the bomb. Okay. So here's the maze. There you are. And then now you are... Oh, and the clock is ticking, huh? So it's a Maze Runner style game where you got to find the bomb before we run out of time, huh? Dragon Bites is asking if Netmate supports the serial ports on the Mega MPI. I think it does, yes? Okay, what is that? You disarm the bomb. Look at that. So that's kind of cool. Another Jim Gary project. This one he posted on the MC10 group too. This one is called Advanced Lawn Mowing Simulator, right? And for those of you who are not satisfied with a basic lawn mower simulator, this one is an advanced one. Um, oh, did you get to choose the type of grass you want to mow? <laughs> I mean, I have never heard of a lawn mowing simulator right now. I've actually done this in real life every now and then. Um, <laughs> So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you hit the house. You've been killed. I have never been killed on a lawnmower before. So <laughs> apparently there are dangers. With <laughs> oh, this is awesome. That's cool. Don't hit the house with your lawnmower, or you will die. There are inherent risks in lawn wow. in lawn mowing. So, Look at the sun at the top. Yeah, it's a hot day. It is. Frank at home, man. It's faster as you get more lawn mode. Okay. Oh, look at that. Boom. You deserve a corned beef sandwich. <laughs> I always like a nice, cool glass of water after this. So Jim Gary, been big on this. So I don't know if we, if we had mentioned this one in the past or not, but this is, uh, and of course I'm going to butcher the name. Let me zoom in on here so I can get the name hopefully right here. I'm zooming. So... Uh, Noriko, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name, but um, she has been doing a lot of um, videos on long plays of text adventures. This one is Scott Adams' Grand Mystery Adventure number seven. Um, I'm not sure if and this is being played on a Coco 3. So I'll try to post links to all these. I didn't put them in the description ahead of time, so I don't have the show notes for this, but we'll try to get all those going. Are we, are we talking days? Uh, this is a 20-minute video. And so it's a uh, sign. It says the same as some of the other signs. Authorized personnel. So okay. So, um, yeah. So it's kind of a walkthrough, too. So if you found yourself never finishing an adventure game, you might want to watch some of these. So that's kind of cool. So we're seeing some text adventures, and we're also seeing um, some playthroughs, and it's all on the Coco, right? Um, this was posted by Joel Iwi. Uh, are we? Okay. This is a short video showing strange color artifacts on my vintage MM1 computer uh, in 256 color mode. And speculating uh, at the moment that the cause is a bad DRAM chip on the CPU board. MM1 has 8 meg memory board and in this configuration I believe uh, the MM1's uh, CPU board is used in a way similar to chip RAM on the Amiga. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure. Curtis posted these for me to run. I'm not even sure what okay, I'm showing this video you right is now. Supposed to show. There we go. Strange color artifacts 
on my MM1 display. That looks really good. In 256 color modes. And I don't know if the video is going to show them very well. And here, under the eyes, there are flashing pixels. Hmm. Um, also, right here on the scarf, and right down here at the bottom, and those pixels shouldn't be flashing. This display mode is just a standard color lookup table. Fix going on in this shouldn't be. Okay, so I've never seen an MM1 before, so I thought this was kind of cool just to see it. Um, I think this was posted in, in Facebook, and maybe there's some comments to it on Facebook. So um, there are certain things that are showing up here that I guess aren't supposed to be showing up, so that's probably a hardware-based problem, right? Um, this is part two to the strange artifacts. Let's see what we Okay, here's another example of uh, strange color artifacts on my MM1. Just to show this is an MM1. Okay, what is Curtis saying? Since MM1 was one of those Coco 4s that a lot of people have not seen, I thought it was worth seeing it. Yeah. How long it takes to decode a uh, JPEG on an MM1 with the 6807? What's the. Is there any information on what the MM1 CPU is? Now it's going to start. Uh, I think it's a 68K. Okay. I think this one's a 6840. Okay. Okay, yeah, you can see how some of the pixels are, there's some stray pixels that are just not getting rendered properly. In this picture, I think, in this video, how many of them are, are flashing? Um, more strange artifacts over here. And, and so what, I think what he's referring to artifacts is not what we think of as, with artifacts, like with the red and blue on the cocoa. These are more like anomalies on the on the output um all right so i mean it's interesting i mean that that's a pretty cool looking picture yeah so the mm1 i guess was kind of like a coco 4 when when you know tandy stopped making them there was a few you know there was the tc9 and then there was the mm1 there was a few different ones uh curtis boyle says it did have a 68340 upgrade as well but a 6870 at 15 megahertz um <laughs> David Lord says, is that graphics mode compatible with the MC-10? <laughs> uh, yeah, Ed Snyder might make a board for that. Um, now, speaking of graphics, well, then, but this is our own David O'Connor who uh, from Pulse Eternal. And last two weeks ago, we, we saw Co Coco Controls Moog. Um, and, um, we saw the beginnings of something and then you basically said, David, that you're now inspired to make an album, right? Yeah, pretty much. I just got all carried away after that episode where we did that live demo and, uh, and I, uh, rewrote the little sequencing program and changed a few things. And then, uh, one thing led to another. And before long, I had the basis of a, of a new song. So it was, uh. Yeah, it just it, I, I wasn't expecting something to come together really quickly like that. But just it was just one of those moments where I got totally inspired. It just, it just happened. So, so, okay, so yeah, we're gonna, we're going to go ahead and play part of it right now. And what I love about this video, we see the beginning of you starting the cocoa. Yeah, I had to put that in. <laughs> 
It's not a big program. No, it's just the beginnings of it. And the Mirage on the bottom right-hand corner has also got a 6809 CPU in it. Ah, okay. Man, this sounds so good. Sounds great at night in my observatory. Yeah. I mean, it definitely reminds me a little bit, too, of the, of the newer Tron soundtrack. There's your uh, your development board there, right? Just doing the audio output. Yep. That sequencer in the bottom left-hand um, screen image there now is being controlled by the development board as well. All the timings oh, being wow. controlled by the. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I love the multi-track video where you can see all the different instruments going on at the same time while you're also fiddling the uh, dials over there. Yeah, I wanted to look like a, people could choose what they wanted to focus their attention on when they watched it. And we've got 15 minutes of this to enjoy. So if you want more of that, check out Pulse Eternal's um, uh, Facebook or YouTube channel or just PulseEternal.com, right, too? Yeah, um, I haven't actually put that on PulseEternal.com yet. I will be doing that this week. Um, but if people go to Facebook and they go to the Pulse Eternal page on Facebook, um, it's on there. Okay. And I will, I will be uploading this to, to Bandcamp as a downloadable single. Um, it's the beginning of a new album, so the whole album hasn't been done yet. But, uh, but once the album is done, the whole album will be available, uh, as the previous album is, through all the major outlets, iTunes and Google Play and Bandcamp and whatnot. So, yeah, it's yeah. awesome, David. Nice job. Yeah, it sounds really good. Sounds good. You know, you know that music would sound really good if a dinosaur running and jumping. Gotcha. No, I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I was actually with, with the dinosaur game when I was talking earlier on to about making up a track. I was actually thinking along these lines of putting a basic, a simple version of, of a track like that uh, with, with 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 the uh, sawtooth wave and giving it to Simon to do his thing with. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so we also have and, and Rob Inman posted this one. He found this video. So this is a guy named TJB Chris. And, and this is a video of cold starts. And I wasn't familiar with this term, but apparently cold start is when you've had a computer or a system that you have not turned on in quite some time and you just plug it in and turn it on and hope that it turns on, you know? So that's kind of the idea. And he's got a whole bunch of stuff. He's got a whole setup. But one of the things in his setup is a Coco 3, Coco 3, uh, with CM8 and floppies and all kinds of stuff. Um, so we'll take a look at this real quick. Hello everyone. Tonight I figured I would make a short video on cold starts. And this isn't cold starts of my car. You see a lot of those on the internet. And for some reason they're actually kind of fascinating watching somebody start up an old car, a new car. It's been sitting for a while. Well, anyway, we're not going to do that with cars. We're going to do that with computers tonight. So 
Well, do each member of the collection, including the red-headed stepchild of the collection, <laughs> and we have the 1000SX, the Color Computer 3, the Model 4, which we'll do twice because there's Model 3 mode and Model 4 mode. Model 16 will do twice because there's Model 2 mode and Model 16 mode, or 6000 mode. And then the 4825 and the Model 100. Wow, quite a collection there, huh? Videos before. But anyway, oh, you'll go far. You'll go far, Fletcher. So, so here we're, we're going to jump over to the Tandy side. Yeah, uh, 8-bit IDE adapter in here, so the startup looks a little different. And he's got his booting into DeskMate. It takes a while to roll through a couple of hundred megs of free space on an old machine like this. So his boots into DeskMate 3 as his kind of you know boot-up menu system. So let's uh, bail from that. And we can shut off the monitor. All right, and then we're going over to the Coco. And shut off the machine. Start up the multi-pack interface. Turn on the multi-pack. Lobby drive. CM8. With a door. And color computer. Yeah. Oh, yep. There you go, disk extended color three. basic. And just Bam. for the sake of doing this, I will do the cold start routine on the machine. That's control, alt, and reset. And we'll get you the three muggeteers, as they were commonly called. <clears throat> Those are three microware employees. Microware, microware systems. Okay. And then we'll move on to model three. ST506 hard drive emulator. A very good one, too. Uh, this is even has a replacement uh, ROM. The C-ROM has been replaced by a custom ROM that allows you to boot straight from Fred. So it's, um, LS-DOS is, well, essentially what was Tristos. Um, Tristos 6061-62 were done by logical systems. Give it a few seconds. Okay, here it comes. And we'll do LDOS. Now you'll notice um, the characters are a little bigger. Uh, in model 4 mode, that was 80 by 24, 4 megahertz. Model 3 mode, this is 64 by 16 display, 2 megahertz. So this can run all Model 3 software. That beat means the hard drive is ready. Now to get it to boot from floppy control, I'm going to have to hold repeat and press break when the screen lights out. So I will do that. <laughs> that sounds complicated. Hold repeat and press break. 8-inch floppies. And apparently I missed it. Yeah, those 8-inch floppies run continuously, too. There it goes. That's something, huh? I'll run that again to do Xenix, but that's unfortunate. Either way, here this goes. It would be booting off these 8-inch floppy drives if they were connected, but we're booting off the emulator. Things make some noise, man. Sounds like a freaking... Sounds like I'm in an airport right now. There's a prop plane out there getting ready to taxi for takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> Tandy Corporation. Now, since this one wants the date, I'll just type something in. It doesn't have a real-time clock, just man. No. Yeah. <laughs> like an animal, he has to type it in. Yeah. yeah. So now I will power it off, and we'll give it a second. And then I will but, let it... By the way, for the price of this machine, you should have got a real-time clock. Yeah, right? <laughs> A real-time clock for each machine. Yeah, right. Now go home. System halted. Okay. 
be Maybe. like as it would be in a home. Was this like a multimedia I PC? I changed it to just make MS-DOS the active partition. Yeah, he's got uh, creative CD-ROM in there. He's got quite the collection. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a uh, sensation, but it's 80486. Like okay. 40, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, as uh, Curtis pointed out in the uh, uh, chat, that, that hard drive on top of the Model 16 is the same one that would be used on the color computer. Okay. And this is the controller that would go in the color computer to drive that hard drive. Hmm. Oh, Windows 3.1. I don't know how they expected it to work with a cable this long, but. <laughs> <laughs> If you heard me complain about not having ta da dot wave in my previous videos, well, I took care of that. So let's just there's this ta da dot wave. Space huh? and we're done. That's that. And then we get to Fletcher. You'll go far, Fletcher. Probably the fastest <laughs> of them all. all <laughs> Here it goes. Power switch on the side. We'll just flip that on. Boom! Look at that. It's on. Right. Instant on. That's Ready it. Ready to go. That's the Model 100. Off she goes. <laughs> All right, so there's my gold starts. That was it, huh? So I don't yeah, know. So I, I stumbled upon this guy by accident, clicking on a few things, and I don't know if he's um, a member of our community or not, but he knows a lot about, about Coco stuff and Tandy stuff. So Yeah, well, yeah. about a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Looks like, he, looks like he was afraid to leave them all on. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't want the house lights to dim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's neat. So that's retro computer cold starts. Very cool stuff. Um, I think this was a similar video that Ed Snyder showed just on YouTube. I think we showed the Facebook version of that video. And then this is something I think that Matchy posted, which is a direct multi-channel Coco PSG, but controlled with a standard analog joystick. So this is controlling the audio by moving the joystick around, I think. Lower frequency. So like the pitch and the tempo seem to go higher as you move to the left. And there are a Coco PSGs available for sale on Zipster, Zipster Zone. Sounds a little bit like a lightsaber or like a light cycle or something, you know? It's a cool sound though. It's not a sawtooth sound. <laughs> Welcome to Tron. Yeah, it sounds kind of Tronish, you know. Volume. That's a theremin mode there. Do not attempt to adjust your TV. I love the sound of this. This sounds really cool. Just imagine things like driving by a you like traffic and stuff, you know. So that's I actually cool. posted a reply. I posted a reply to his. Let me try all that again. <laughs> I posted a reply to that when he posted about it and mentioned that it would be cool to connect up an interface to the joystick port with a light sensor on it, and he could actually turn it into an actual theremin and uh, have the cocoa acting like a, a, a Moog theremin. Where you use your hands to play the instruments, move it up huh. and down and left and right, and you for volume and pitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, didn't uh, what's his name do that? Um, John Green, Mount, Green Mountain Micro guy, Dennis, Dennis Bathory. Kitts. Yeah, yes, he had 
where yeah. you walk in a room and you can move your hands and stuff and you get a symphony. Yeah, yeah. I actually experimented with something similar to that in the mid-90s. I had a, 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 a lens and some photo transistors and some lights and I had it all connected up to a synthesizers back then and you could move your hands about and, and control the synthesizers just by moving your hands. Hmm. You don't didn't, need to do that again. <laughs> didn't Spock uh, play one on uh, Star Trek? What was that? I, I think uh, Spock played one on Star Trek. Oh, theremin. <laughs> yeah. The, the theremin's yeah, one yeah. you just kind of move your hands around, right? Yeah, it's got an aerial on one side and it's got a loop, uh, uh, like a, a metal loop on the other side, and, and you play it with two hands. Hmm. And you, you move one hand up and down. And the other hand in and out to change the pitch. And the that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Resonance? Is it a resonance thing? What's up? Resonance? Is that what does it? It's, um, it uses, from what I believe, it uses RF um, technology. Mm -hmm. it's, it uses magnet. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like resonance, yeah, I guess. It's, um, it's a capacitance more than resonance. It's, um, your body basically picks up what the antenna is transmitting. And then um, when you put the other hand near the loop, the loop is then picking up what your body is radiating from what it's received from the antenna, basically. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, uh, the old uh, plasma light bulbs where you move your fingers around and the, the little lightning bolts attracted to your fingers. It's kind of like that, but with sound, right? So as you're moving around, it's making sound based on your kind of yes, yeah. electricity Similar input. Principle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. cool. Um, well, we've concluded our news. We've had our we had our dude the game right Dino Run. How cool was that? Very cool. Yeah, um, Bruce Moore says it was featured in the Beach Boys song "Good Vibrations." Um, now, Rob Inman, yeah. you've got yes, some sir. you've got some icons to show us, and then you also mentioned that you were gonna maybe show us some uh, bonus content from VCF West. So Thank you, I've, yes. I've got you maximized now, sir, and I'm not sharing anything. So you have control of the audio, video, and everything else. Great. So I'll show you a couple of couple of icons I created. Um, Nick Morantes has been creating a lot of icons as well. And Nick, uh, Nick Morantes has, I think, finished the uh, Sierra Online games, and he's also done Rescue on Fractalus and um, the other Epics game. Um, I'm just, I just kind of picked a few at random that I found interesting and that I wanted to try out. And so I've been getting into it and, uh, I, I feel like I've got a process down and starting to create some more icons. Um, and so I'll show you a few that I've done. This is just for, a, a, a context. So you can see what the, what the screen looks like from G shell that the icons will eventually go in. Um, and I think most, most of you have seen this, so I'm going to, I'm going to, Hit the clear key and go to my other window. Are you multitasking now? Uh, yes, I, that's right. I'm multitasking. Wow. Um, we'll explain what multitasking <laughs> is to the, the Commodore users uh, and the 6502 people later. <laughs> so, okay. So on this, uh, you've seen the, some of these are new. You can see one, um, the, I, the one called icon.new. Um, I had saw something online that made me think of the the software from Eric Wolf called Newspaper 09. So for whatever reason, I picked that one to try first. Um, I'll just load it up. Um, and then I started doing a few others. So 
anyone can uh, do these. There's no like, you don't have to apply to become an icon creator for uh, ease of use, um, you know, the ease of use a product. Okay. So if you want to download ease of use beta five and just type super Ike, which um, I'll show you with that super Ike, you can see there. Okay. Um, just type that from any window and you'll go right into the icon editor and you can start playing around with it. So if you get an, a good idea or there's kind of an obscure OS nine software that you, that you want to create an icon for, or you just want to do one for fun, you can just go in there and, um, you know, post it to discord so we can all take a look at it. And, um, and, uh, anyway, that's available to anyone. Um, so this is the icon editor for the for the newspaper. You can see the smaller icon where uh, it uh, at least what I was trying to do is get the uh, newspaper to look like it was folded over and okay. Um, and I mean it is what it is, right? Uh, so uh, I'll switch over to load the other icons here. Um, so it's going to read all the icons in the directory. Um, I don't need to go through every single one, but I will show you one, a, a fun one that I did here. Now, now, if anybody really wants to see this process, they can subscribe to your Twitch channel and have you live stream this. Watch you live stream your icon creating. Oh, yes. So, I was so. live streaming. Uh, <laughs> I was live streaming icon editing for hours. I had, I had um, <laughs> no viewers. Amazing. <laughs> 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 um, but, but Mark, Marco and I think um, a few other people, um, Tom C. joined out of pity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would not qualify. Pity sounds about right. Yeah. So anyway, you can see uh, in the right of uh, the top right, I worked on a waterfall icon for our major community project to it's, port the first Nick Morente's game over to OS9. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so that's a serious icon that that uh, that I created. I joke about the ninja icon being for the last ninja because I'm looking at an old Radio Shack catalog. Ah. But of course, uh, the last ninja never came out. Uh, it's for uh, Kim Guy to be ninja. Ah. And then you can see one I did for Interbank Incident, which I might change a little bit because it looks like more like a financial application, like Microsoft Money or something. Hmm. Uh, uh, the last one. Okay. Yep. I see the bank. I see the dollar sign. I see the mouse pointer. I mean, that's. Uh... You know. You yeah, know. I mean, you know what might be cool. Take just take one of the faces from one of the characters. That's what. I, yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking of doing. Put a gun um, over it. And then Supercom, you know, Dave Phillipson is very active in Discord, and we're always talking about this or that with. Wi-Fi modems, and uh, we were talking about there was a super calm icon once upon a time for multi-view, mm -hmm. and it had a Superman logo. So I thought, well, let me try to see if I can kind of hand draw that. Um, so this one, the super calm icon, I did, you know, totally kind of hand hand drew it in the icon editor, uh -huh. and then I was I was playing around with what I wanted the, um, you know, the the old Microsoft Windows when you were moving a file or you were connecting to a BB. Uh, you're connecting to anything. It always had that dot, dot, dot of, you know, the what you were moving data from to where the, it was going. Anyway, it made me think of putting like a, a modem to a dot, dot, dot transmitting to something else. And since we don't actually, uh, since these days, we actually use Wi-Fi. So I thought a yeah, modem to Wi-Fi. Modem to Wi-Fi, yeah. 
is exactly what uh, a terminal program does these days. Um, and then you can see if you go to the left, there's a game that technically could come to OS9. Gunstar. But almost certainly will never. Um, On ROM so, cartridge. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so I didn't create a, 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 you know, an icon like for Popstar Pilot, which, which, which technically cannot, cannot, cannot be done in OS9 because of the hardware scrolling. Gunstar can, and we'll see, uh, you know, if um, if someday uh, Nick wants to tackle that. But uh, I just I just kind of like the Gunstar ship, and I thought, oh, maybe let me see what that looks like. Yeah, it looks good. So anyway, that's really that's really it. Um, I encourage everybody to to uh, try it out. It's not as uh, painful as it seems. Um, and if you don't have a high res joystick like I don't, and and right now you that really would help if you have one, but you can use um, high resolution in the keyboard mouse. So there is a way to hold down the shift key and actually get the high resolution, um, you know, in, in that if you want to do some uh, careful uh, selection of, uh, of the blocks. But anyway, if you want to move over to, if I can share my yep, screen. Yeah, you can share. For the VCF stuff. Go ahead. Uh, let's try that. Share. Okay, I think this will work. Uh, there we go. Flickr, Rob Inman. Oh, you are seeing Flickr. Okay. Oh, I see it. Okay. So let me click on the uh, the album here, and I'm gonna uh, Stevie. I'll I'll trust you to kind of stop me if I'm going too fast because um, I didn't see the episode because I was at the event where you guys were seeing a lot of this stuff already. And so mm. if, if you want me to pause, just let me know. Okay. There's Mikey. Uh, Mikey and his dad. Um, you can see the table. Rick Adams, Shanghai. Looks like that guy was scanning QR codes, huh? Uh, yep. Uh, well, yep. People were mostly scanning QR codes. The Android people were very confused about how that worked. I, I thought the Android people would be, you know, really knowledgeable. Yeah, Google. Yeah, Google Lens. I oh, I can yeah. have I can hover my phone over anything, and it knows if it's a business card or a barcode or a QR code. The Android people were just like, "What? What's a QR code? What do I do?" I'm just like, no, I don't really. No, I'm serious. It was just it was amazing. Anyway, uh, again, um, you know, Popstar Pilot. I think this is the table again. You can see the dragon. Here's the Cocoa 3 FPGA, of course. Uh, we threw up a bunch of different games uh, like Chrono Rift throughout the day. This is the Cocoa VGA running. Um, what's that game called? I forgot. Sailor Man. Sailor Man. Thank you. Uh, again, picture of the Gimme X. Yeah. Fast forward to the stuff that we haven't seen, like the uh, okay. the, the museum stuff. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if you saw some of this. This is a, one of my um, a personal obsessions, a Sharp 68000 computer. But uh, Carmen San Diego, Nightmare Highway, which is in 100% machine language. And basically, Nightmare yeah. Highway. Uh, we, this is, we had to load Cersei's Island off of... Uh, Tim Linder. <laughs> The Tim Lynn there. Okay. More table. Mikey. More Basic 09 demo. Um, all right. Well, let me let me move to the gallery. 
here. How do I get back to? Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Just flip through here. Oh, this. The, so this we're getting to the okay. the uh, urban insulation. This guy Saj has a music. Um, he's a music creator, and he was asking about how do you create uh, music for the Coco. And I would talk about David O'Connor and. Uh, and the Coco PSG, and he was very interested in the chip and, and how all that would happen. So anyway, I'm going to send him the link to the other episode from a few weeks ago with David, um, where David was doing all of that musical stuff. Um, so uh, now, you, you, you know, PDP one, PDP one. Um, now, the only thing that this installation was open, uh, it did not have the Space War game, Space Wars uh, the famous game the, that was created on the oscilloscope. Uh, it didn't have that running, but uh, but you can usually play that. If you go to the uh, Computer Science Museum in Mountain View, you can actually play uh, Space War, the, the first uh, video game ever, um, electronic video game anyway. So this is the, uh, there's a bar. I don't know if you can see my cursor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's a there's a bar here that uh, kind of prevents you from walking into the like the work area that they set up. Okay. Uh, and it has controls, so you can control the um, the uh, spaceship uh, on the screen. Uh, but again, it wasn't it wasn't running, so that was unfortunate. But uh, you can see they've set up how it would look in um, a real environment, and they actually have a picture in the background of an actual uh, PDP one being used. Wow. That's pretty cool. Here's a bigger shot of the room. Um, and then they talked about, uh, you know, just uh, the history of the uh, of the PDP-1. And I'll, I'll post the link to this gallery in the in the YouTube chat so that we can continue to move through it. And if you want to go and look at it, uh, you can click on the link. Uh, and we then we get to International what? Business Machines. Um, 1401 Data Processing System. And this is a permanent installation in the a museum uh, and these are some photos from the room you'll see some bigger photos from the room in a second uh, and some video um, here's the history of the of the machine <laughs> I don't know what to call it it's a computer it's just a really big one and a picture of the larger um, you know room that it's running in yeah not Those really. were considered mini computers. Yeah, it reminds me of old movies. Um, I don't know if you can hear the video, uh, the audio, or not. It's uh, not very much now. You don't really, you don't really need the audio. But anyway, what he's doing here is he's printing um, people's names on the uh, plotter, um, and he he's doing that by feeding in um, uh, what do you call punch cards over on this side uh, of the room. Um, and this is, uh, you know, if, if you couldn't, um, <laughs> believe it or not, this is a portable, um, card punch. Uh, so, you know, if you wanted to just kind of put this in your suitcase, you could punch cards. <laughs> so, uh, <Pretty> portable. <laughs> and this is a bigger view of the tape drive, a little bit bigger than the Coco cassette, uh, drive that we're, we're used to. Uh, the printer and uh, you know you can see the portable mechanical punch card uh just to you know take it on the train just you know start to start getting it's your card 
What's that? Like Fletcher would have been Waddle Wadsworth. Yeah, no, Fletcher, you know, Fletcher was around a little bit earlier. Now, were that. all punch cards manually generated? There was no computer-generated punch cards? Uh, that's uh, not... I don't know... Well, it seems like that would be subject to human error then, too. Like, if we had to punch in the information in the punch card and somebody made a mistake, you got garbage in, garbage out, right? That's so. how you coded, though. Yeah? You coded with punch cards. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if, if you could, like, get... I guess you would get... You could get programs on punch card, but I think most of the time you had to enter it yourself. Wow. Well, you, wrote, you wrote programs on punch card. Like, COBOL was punch card-oriented. Yeah, but... Different yeah. mean different things. So, anyway, this is a punch card sorter. Wow. <laughs> Have a lot of them. Uh, this is the sorter again. So I guess you feed them in here, and somehow they end up in uh, the right bins. I don't know how that works. Interesting. Uh, anyway, the outside sign, and I'll flip through these very quickly. The, the, did you see some of these? This is the um, uh, one of the British computer makers. The um, one, oh, this this is the Spectrum exhibit, I think. That's a Sun Microsystems. I, I work with um, uh, some people on my Oracle team, so I was taking pictures of the Sun stuff. Um, hypnosis by Relay. You love your job. You love your boss. You are overpaid. Vote for this exhibit. Um, and anyway, I'm going to fly through these. This, yeah, Mikey. Mikey, back to the Coco. Yeah. Kids, somebody, somebody's thigh. Uh, I think. Oh, this is Digger Three. Somebody, uh, somebody tried the Bat Cave, which I don't, uh, you know, do that carefully. It's a. Uh, oh, oh, this was an Atari. Uh, he took it out to show the one megabyte board because they they had a sign like crowing that the Atari was running at, I don't know what it was, fourteen gigahertz, uh, fourteen megahertz or something like that. But it really, it really doesn't. It it runs very much like Sockmaster's uh, four megahertz upgrade. Um, really, only certain things that can get past the bus can run at the higher speed, and the rest of it uh, crawls back down to normal speed. So, uh, shame on you, uh, Atari people. Um, and then I'm getting uh, one of the reasons I wanted to show this set is because the I think you were playing an interview with the Arduino guy. Yeah, that's going to try and get that for next week. Yep. So this is his um, booth. Okay. And these are some of the devices. I think I have a couple of photos of the uh, like the form where you can kind of order them. I know that this photo is a little bit blurry, but you can order, uh, you know, 6502s and 8080s and 6809s and Z80s. Um, here you go. You've got some. Uh, you got an 8031, 8085, 1802, whatever. And it's that got is. the real CPU on there, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Are these these are these are on the Arduino? I don't know how it works. Uh, just one one of your uh, what would uh, Tony uh, Capolini? Yeah, I've actually got a slideshow from the guy that he sent me. I, I've looked at okay. it, but it's a little bit over my head, so. Okay. okay. Well, anyway, uh, that that's the guy. Okay. Uh, and oh, you can see it. You can see this closer now. It um, connect eight uh, bit microprocessors to the Arduino microcontroller system. It emulates the ROM, RAM, and the I/O. And I guess we're going to talk about 
that more next week. But here's uh, more information about his goals to make a PCB for every 8-bit processor. Um, anyway, uh, if he's okay. coming on next week, we can talk about then. Yep, cool, uh, cool. Xerox, the first mouse. You know, this is the mouse that uh, Steve Jobs fam famously visited and decided that would work really well for him. Um, and Xerox made the first GUI too. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah if you want to see the, there's a Xerox Star. Yeah. Uh, that's a later. Yeah. Oh, this is an emulator. Yep. Of the Star. Yep. Windowing environment. Yep. It's a it's all the spectrums you could ever want were there, uh, or need. More speckies than you could shake a stick at. Okay. And this was a this was the OS nine guy. I think we were trying to get him. There was an OS nine level one um, guy there, Grok. I think he joined the Discord server. Anyway, he knows a lot about OS nine, and I said we you know we could really use your your help. So anyway, he was very excited. That was him on the right. Okay knows all about OS 9. Um, you saw the Apple ones probably ad nauseum. We don't need to go through that. Uh, oh, and this is from work. So let me just, um, I don't think there's any, uh, oh, here we go. Apple go one. Let me go to back to the album. Oh, I did. You know what? I'll show that these these two are from work. But then after work, this was the same. You know, five, like a five day trip. We went to something called the. Now, now I'm in. You've got to travel with me here. We were we were in Mountain View, and now we're in um, Schaumburg, Illinois, outside of Chicago. But we were at uh, Pac-Man Entertainment. I don't know if people in the Chicago area know about it, but it's a pretty cool space. To, uh, here's the opening uh, view oh. of uh, Pac-Man. That looks like the one from Chicago. Pixels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the history of Pac-Man is behind, and then you've got pinball machines and you've got arcade cabinets. Um, this game was very suspiciously like a new Nick Morentes game that hasn't. I <laughs> uh, just uh, didn't want to point any fingers. Cheap knockoff, yeah. Yeah, um, and then I think we're oh we're going into more, you know, other photos from the event. We played Super Pitfall. I guess there were more. Hey, there's though. Tim playing Daggerath like the idiot from the book. Like the idiot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's see. Uh, oh, we played. Uh, oh, this was where Simon's we, okay. demo. This is interesting, right? We were playing the demo a couple times, and I, I did put my hand up to block the um, the R-rated section. Yeah. Um, but then I then I was talking to. I did an interview. You wouldn't know it because we weren't able to capture it. <laughs> on uh, audio, but I did an interview with Bill Hurd, the uh, creator of the Commodore 128. Wow. And uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to show him what the Coco could do without any kind of sound chip. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, I don't know that he remembered much about my interview with him, but he definitely remembered the R-rated part of Simon's demo. Mm. And he asked if he could get her number. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> So, uh, You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, this is just uh, people. I mean, I guess I can play this. It's people playing uh, Cersei's Island, which is very popular. Cool. Uh, so I'll stop that. And uh, that's at this 
this guy. I've got to switch. Oh, and then I and then I was walking around and doing other things. More people playing Cersei's Island, Plato Term, more retro stuff. But I really wanted to show you the the IBM and the, and the PDP. Uh, so I will stop sharing my screen. And yeah. I'll, I'll post the link to this if people want to look at these uh, more carefully. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. so how do I how do I stop sharing here? Uh, oh, here. It's got to be uh, New share, stop video. Oh, stop share. Oh. Yeah, I can stop your share too. Oh, oh there you go. All Thanks. right, very very cool. All right, well, uh, we're coming up on three hours. Not a bad show. Not a bad show at all. Uh, definitely thanks to Paul Fiscarelli and Simon Jonasson for giving us that uh, world premiere debut reveal of Dino Run. Uh, cool game, Paul. Run Dino Run. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you uh, letting us show it on the show today. Oh, thanks for thanks for letting us be the conduit for that. So that's very cool. We have to know is it Dino or Dino? What do the authors call it? Uh, it's whatever you guys want it to be. I mean, it's Dino Wars, so if people want Run Dino Run and Run Dino Run. Be Dino. Uh, very cool, David O'Connor. Thank you for being here, and thanks for working on a uh, a brand new album of music inspired by the Coco, generated by the Coco. Coco Music uh, will be coming yeah, I, soon. Yeah, I actually chose the the, the the music spelling is actually the German spelling of the word music and the hyphen in between it. The reason for that title was because it's a throwback to um, the 70s period um, of Berlin School electronic music, where all that came from. So that's where the title came Very from. cool. Very cool. And Rob Inman, thank you for being a champion of ease of use and icons and OS9 in general, for OS9 sure. OS9 is, is the future. OS9 is the future. It's been properly designed. Um, right. Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, with your Calor baseball in the background there. Thanks yes, for being uh, here. Thank you. Yeah. Always uh, my pleasure. Dave Phillips says he's got to go mow the lawn now. All right, Dave. Um, <laughs> yes. For yes, real yes. or the game? Yeah, yeah. The advanced lawn mowing simulator. For those who are not satisfied with the basic simulators, there is an advanced one. Um, Mark Bosley, thank you for being here. And um, yeah, everybody who was here earlier today, thank you for being here. Uh, Tom C., you still with us, Tom? Indeed I am. Tom C.'s been here from beginning to end. History might have been made. Tom C. has been on an entire episode. (laughs) And the world's a better place for it. Um, Al Hartman is back on. Al Hartman from Jersey. How are you guys doing there, Al Hartman? These guys is doing okay. All right. Good to have you back, Al. In Jersey. Jersey. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Yeah, and, where, where, where we make uh, tomatoes and uh, lots of other good Bad pizza, though. And in the live chat, we've had Mark B., Ken Reichert, Matchy has been here, Curtis Boyle, Al Hartman, Bill Noble, Ken Reichard, Rob Inman, Al Hartman, Ken Reichard, Matchy, Dave Phillipson has been in the live chat. And Dave and Ken and Matchy and Curtis and Matchy and Nick and Curtis. And Mark Overholzer stopped by. Mark D. Overholzer, Ken Reichard, Matchy, Rob Inman, Curtis Boyle, 
Uh, all kinds of people here in the live chat. Richard Atkinson's, I believe he's in the UK. I think he's one of our dragon friends. And Ben Drake's from the UK. Explore VR has been here. Uh, Dragon Bites has been here in the live chat. Uh, who else has been here? Uh, all kinds of people. You know who you are. Thanks for being here. D. Bruce was here. D. Bruce Moore and David Lord was here. And Bill Noble, a Disney Saints fan, was here. Thomas Sorensen and David Lord and D. Bruce and Thomas Sorensen, Thomas and, and David Lord. Oh my. Uh, Richard Atkinson's and DeBruce and you name it, all kinds of people here. I'm scrolling through here. I'm probably going to miss a few people, but you guys know who you are. Thank you for being here every week. And I would just say, yes, yeah, send us some feedback to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Let us know, um, you know, how we can best serve the people who watch and listen to this show. We want to make sure we're giving um, enough ways to do it, but I also don't want to oversaturate and overextend. You know, um, so we kind of want to reach that Goldilocks part where it's just right. Right. And I, and I think most people say, you know what? YouTube is fine. Audio is fine. Live is not that necessary. A few people said I like the audio replay being able to I mean, the video replay from Podbean or iTunes. Um, that, that, that's probably a minority that likes that. But, um, you know, it's 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 good to know. So we'd love to get that feedback. Coco Talk at Coco Talk live. How do you enjoy the show? What, what and also suggestions on you know if we're missing something here you know what it'd be nice if you guys could do this you know we're always looking for that feedback so make sure you send that um and we're gonna wrap it up we're coming up three hours five o'clock not a bad show good show time this is an average show length so i'm gonna run the outro and then we'll come back for final words and parting thoughts so we'll see you here in a minute this concludes another episode of coco talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the tandy color computer for all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community 
by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. And that's all she wrote, folks. What's the so funny, Nick Morota? Nick Morota. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and Grant, Grant Leedy came in for the best part of the show, the end. Grant Leedy's back. Hey, Grant. Or not. All right. Uh, parting thoughts. David O'Connor, final words. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, How's that for a big, long word? I can't yeah. think of anything else to say. PulseEternal.com. How about that? That's a good word. Plug it. Uh, Rob Inman, final words, parting thoughts. Uh, if anyone's interested, I might be doing a RoboCop um, streaming session uh, either later tonight or tomorrow where I play all the different versions of RoboCop and uh, and stream that, including the Coco 3 version. Okay. So uh, I guess keep an eye out for that on Discord. Uh, on Discord. You'll put out a message on Discord. Okay. Yeah. Should that be done on Twitch? It will be on Twitch and uh, YouTube. I, I use Restream. There okay. you go. Um, Dragon Bites says, thanks everyone for the show. Enjoy it as always. Thank you, Dragon Bites. Dave Phillipson says, cool show, guys. Got to go mow my lawn. Nick Morota, parting thoughts, final words. Yeah, it's just great to see continued uh, interest and development in the uh, community with the new games coming out. And it's a great time to be a Cocoa Nut. Absolutely. Polly Walnuts Fiscarelli, final thoughts. Yeah, just thanks again for giving us the opportunity to uh, oh, share yeah. that today. And uh, looking forward to catching some of you at uh, Tandy Assembly next month. Very cool. Are you going to be able to make VCF Midwest at all? Uh, I won't be there. Because um, uh, we were going like, to um, continue the tradition of going to that fire and wine place on Friday oh, night. Yeah. yeah. We'll so, definitely uh, have to do for uh, Coco Fest next year then. Uh, absolutely. Uh, bulk of us are there. Sounds good. Right. Mark Bosley, final thoughts. Ah, brain fried. It's dinner time. There you go. There you go. Tom C. from Jersey. Final thoughts. Nah, I got nothing to say here. I mean, just Oh, you know what, Tom? You never even showed us your whole setup. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's kind of like becoming the uh, the running gag. (laughs) Is that saving it for another day? Yeah, whatever. Well, it we doesn't... want we want to hear about it. We want to see it. We want to know what your intentions are and what you know what we can expect. I'm but already or whatever. No, no, I'm talking about your new setup with all your toys, your your microscopes oh, and I, your solder yeah, stations. But I, it was kind of interesting though. I did I did I did kind of start my my Coco two. I kept saying I was going to start, and I, while we were doing that, I actually took the keyboard apart and cleaned it. And you Ooh. should have seen it before I started it. So that looks good. I got a really good start on that. I was amazed at how how well it cleaned up. Nice. Oh, wow. Looks good. You want to clean my keyboard? And, uh, I got the case going too, but it's it's got some it's got some decent scuffs. But okay, we got some bathroom tile stains that are kind of problematic. Any suggestions there? Uh, just spray nine, really. <laughs> All right. And Al Hartman, any final thoughts from you in New Jersey? Uh, 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 <laughs> and Al's getting mugged. Al's getting mugged. 
jurors did, man. Gets mugged every day. Yes. I'm not paid to think. That's above my pay grade. There you go. All right. And Grant Leedy, the final thoughts. Last man, last word. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stevie. No, awesome show. Thanks again, Paul, for the uh, you and your team's contributions for the game. Uh, I look forward to downloading hey, that hey, today. Grant, can you do me a favor? What? Can you pronounce Paul's last name? I'm not even going to go there. Because uh, you're, you're usually calling him Paul Fitzarelli. Hey, you know that you know that Paul Fitzarelli. He's a, he's a, I've heard much worse. Yeah, Fitzarelli. He's kind of half half Irish, half Italian. Fitzarelli. Yeah. Right. And you called Grant Greg. So I don't know what you're about. All right, all right, guys. I'm gonna press the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Adios, goodbye, everybody. everybody. All right. Three Bye Mississippi, everyone. two Mississippi, and goodbye.